Hello and welcome to another episode of the Underhive Law Keepers podcast, the number one Necromunda law podcast this side of the 41st millennium. As always, I am Spaniel, and to my right, the multitudinously Malthusian manvent, Nathan. Hey, How are you, buddy? I'm good, mate. I'm, I'm so happy you were able to say that in one take. That was really uh, well done. Yes. It definitely wasn't three to seven takes for that one there. I'm not even going to ask about it because I don't think you're going to be able to describe it without saying the words. And I've already listened to you for three minutes trying to say those words. So I'm just going to go with, how you going, buddy? Multitudinously malfeasant. 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 Um, Multitudinously malfeasant. Explain it to me. Well, multitudinously. Multitudinously? Multitudinously. And welcome to episode derail. We're already off the rails because we're just trying to describe words. That was actually sent to me by someone. I don't know what it means, all right? Someone sent it to me because I don't know how to use my thesaurus. Um, but yes, I am well. Segway into the next topic. How are you, my friend? <laughs> yeah, not too bad, mate. Just um, kicking along, doing uh, lots of specialist game stuff at the moment. Uh, I'm fully, well, I, I almost don't consider it a specialist game. But the, the old world has, has gripped Ooh. me. Yes. It's, uh, it was definitely one of the games I played as a, a young teenager. And it has come back with a vengeance and all many funky special rules. And it's actually quite nostalgic. I find myself writing copious amounts of Orc and Goblin and uh, uh, a few other armies that I have. And... I'm not going to say them because if Steve's listening, I don't want him to know. And yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it, but it's very nostalgic, and I re- I really do love it. I'm probably not putting as much time into the podcast because I'm embroiled in Legions Imperialis army lists. Uh, my Cadian doors. What do we end up calling them? My uh, uh, your um your audience. Cordians, that's it. Cordians? Yeah. yeah. My Cordians, my old world army lists. Uh, so I'm working on three different systems at the moment and with about probably, I don't know, three to four hours worth of actual time to myself a week. So mm. very, very busy with all things miniature-based at the moment. How about yourself? How are you going? I'm actually sitting here right now in disgust at how little time you have for Necromunda. Here I am, slaving over a Beastman army list. Yes, the old world has grabbed me rather, rather swiftly, and I was going through some of my bits boxes, and I'm like, why do I have so many gores? And next thing you know, I'm looking at the, the old world sort of forces of evil book, and it was like... I could play some Old World again because I've got Warriors of Chaos, Beastmen, Hordes of Chaos, 
Uh, I've got an empire army. Um, I've right. got my vampire accounts. I'm just like, I'm probably going to need a box of those new chosen though for my uh, chaos warriors, and I'll need some new chaos warriors. But yes, apart from Necromunda, my entire life has been consumed by the old world, and yep. the red balloon syndrome kicking in quite yeah. nicely. Yeah. yeah, very, very nicely. Let's be honest. Yeah, like apart from that, I'm still doing my chaos militia, sort of uh, chomping at those a little bit when I get some time. Uh, I think I've written about 400 different army lists for the old world, and. Yeah, apart from that, just podcast. Like, yeah. Apart, um, yeah, and work. Oh, yeah, and work and my wife and children. and um, The boring bits. Yeah, the boring stuff. The boring yeah. stuff. <laughs> but I, I realise I've never played you in a game of uh, fantasy back in the day. We always played, I definitely played you in 40K. We definitely played 40. Did we really never play fantasy together? No, we never did. Oh, I remember no. playing the, the video game, Total War, with you. and. Yeah. Then I gave you oh, command yeah. part of my army and you completely got it destroyed. And yes, I was like, yes. mm, that probably wouldn't be a challenge if I took you on in a game of actual Warhammer Fantasy. So that's probably no. why I never did it. Well, yeah. okay, okay. Um, <laughs> fine, fine. You know what? That's fine. You can you can make your orcs and goblets. I will yeah. make just a whole mess of Warriors of Chaos and we'll meet in the middle. That's fine. I'll bring the fanatics and you bring that plate armor that doesn't stand a chance against it. Oh, man, also, speaking of goblins, just quickly derailing. The number of people that have sent us messages about goblins in Necromunda and Skaven in Necromunda, oh, it warms the cockles of my heart. <laughs> but people would just be like, wait, you, you also love Skaven in Necromunda? Here's 500 pictures of Skaven. And I'm... Listeners, Uncle Spamuel here. You send me as many pictures of Necromunda Goblins, Necromunda Skaven as you want. I will never get sick of them. Keep, keep them coming. Yeah, keep them coming. absolutely. Yeah. Necromunda Goblins are a true, proper place in my heart because that just leads to Necromunda Squeaks. Oh... And, and eventually the, new, <laughs> the eventual new campaign book, Squigamunda. <laughs> that would be brilliant. It's just I would play Squigamunda. Squig v Squig. <laughs> <laughs> and just every so often, Mangler Squig comes along and it's just. Yeah, just all eats over everyone. Yeah. Next round. Perfect. Oh. We've just come up with a game. Done. Copyrighted. Done. Yeah. Back off James Workshop. Great episode. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. <laughs> you can only go downhill from Squigamunda. Squigamunda. <laughs> oh, just the name would make me want to play it. Yeah. Anyway. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, no, that's cool. Anyway, uh, yeah. So that's what we've been up to. Um, I guess we can talk a little bit about this episode. We're going to roll into talking about our next Hive Life episode, actually. Yeah. Yeah, probably our most popular episode ever to this to this date. Not not sort of excluding the Aranthian succession stuff, but our Hive Life episode definitely generated a lot of uh, positive feedback and a lot of enthusiasm from the community, which was fantastic. And um, I will say, definitely one of the, the the episodes I really enjoyed 
recording as well. It just it it felt like the uh, canvas was empty and we could just sort of go for it and let the imagination run wild. But uh, yeah, definitely inspiring to see so many people have so much positivity about uh, Hive Life that obviously we've brought it back and uh, going to go into this one. Probably a little bit more of a different tact. We're trying to explore a few more different hives in this one. But uh, yeah, like, excited to get into it. Different hives. I, I thought we were literally just talking about hive mortars again. This is, this is not what I agreed to. I thought we were doing hive secundus. Oh, uh, we're not doing oh, it. No. We're disappointing no. everybody again. We're disappointing everyone. <laughs> um, well, last Hive Life, we talked a lot about, uh, was it Hive Mortis? And was it the Gothril's Needle? It was Gothril's Needle, yeah. yeah. The, the democratic state. Oh. Yes. From a succulent Chinese meal to the disgusting <laughs> reality of democracy. I can't believe they have that there. Ugh. You know, but, you, you, you know, appreciate what you have when you can see what, how bad it is for the others in their democratic community. That's right. I was actually thinking about that a little while ago and the little spider servitors that in Rumo, is that yes. they just kick open your drawer and they're like, <laughs> Honestly, that's that's my hell being chased around by some spider servitor that's telling me I have to vote. If I don't get a democracy sausage, I'm not voting. All right, go away, spider servitor. Oh. Okay, so, I, I like who don't one. understand the Australian voting process. Um, you usually vote at like primary schools or like community halls and that sort of thing. And there's always someone doing a barbecue. So after you vote, you go and buy a democracy sausage. Um, and I, I guess they have like grass or something for vegans, but they, they, they give you the democracy sausage. And that's, that's, the only, that's genuinely the only reason I vote. That, and if I don't vote, they will find me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing how the how well the democracy sausage tastes, um, especially like oh. it, considering it's just a sausage in bread. But it tastes as good as the bunny sausage, which is also which is another honestly top three sausages you'll ever get. Yeah, Bunnings, democracy, and you're at a kid's birthday party, and they've someone's had to go and buy a box of snags and bust open the barbecue because they haven't catered for. The well, me who eats an entire <laughs> plate of children's party pies by himself and refuses to share with the children. Um, Father of the year, yet again. Yeah. In my defense, that's only happened six or seven times uh, in the last couple of years that I've had kids. So, say so your kids aren't six or seven, so you've just no. invited yourself to a couple of parties, have you? <laughs> I've gone to other parties. Um, <laughs> But we've digressed, which is a rare occurrence for us. Yes. Yeah, no, pretty rare for the pod. <laughs> we are doing another Hive Life. Uh, before this, we've got a couple of things we wanted to bring up. So just something we want to add to the podcast um, is just is talking about the community, really, and talking about members in the Necromunda slash Wargaming community and what they're doing and 
the the influences they they set for us and hopefully how we influence other people as well uh definitely shout out to all the cults of the bolts out there but um there's too many it's <laughs> too many you might have actually genuinely started a cult Yes, I, I'm aware. There is a few people I need to respond to, which I've uh, unfortunately been a bit slack with that, but I, I will get to you. Those asking for my uh, opinions about things, uh, it's going to cost you. But no, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, we're going to start a new community update section, which just will talk about um, things that we find inspiring. So it might just be you know, a post from Instagram or it might be an event coming up. I guess you can all remember our forays into going to Akramunda last year. This will be similar in that vein. But on top of that, if you've got something that you want the wider community to see, so get in contact with this pretty much any way you can. We have our email at which is underhivelawkeepers at gmail.com or Instagram or Facebook or carrier tid pigeon, whatever whatever you want. That's Did you a, say a, carrier pigeon? Yeah, I said carrier pigeon. Yeah, definitely carrier pigeon. I didn't say carrier tid pigeon. You're hearing things, mate. You got, I you genuinely got... thought you said carrier tid pigeon. I did, I did. I was trying to gaslight you a little bit. <laughs> anyway, this is not about you and your, okay. your insanity. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was going a bit strange there for a second. <laughs> Um, but yeah, getting contact with us, if you got something you want the rest of the community to see, it might be something minor, it might just be a gang you're working on or, you know, a single miniature, whatever the case might be, or if you've got an event you're running or anything along those lines, we'd love to hear about it. We'd love to talk about it with the rest of the community and just sort of grow that interaction as a Necromunda loving community. Well, hundred percent. That's literally how this started it it just came to we love talking about necromunda we love talking about all things necromunda and as anyone who speaks to me on our social medias know i love not doing my job and talking about necromunda i spend a lot of my day doing that uh a lot of you are also to blame as to why i get into trouble so much for not doing my job but that's another rant for another time but yes, and if you guys have, like Nate said, gaming clubs, events, you just think, hey, man, this is a really cool uh, concept for a gang or concept for something we can do within our community, reach out to us. We are more than happy to just talk about it on the show. And one thing we want to make very, very clear is we want nothing in return for this. We just want you to send us the information and we're just going to talk about it. Like, this is one way we can just give back to the community by hopefully spreading the message of Necromunda a little bit further than it's already going. Yes, spread it as the, the king of games. Hashtag king of games. And one of the first things we're going to be talking about in regards to community updates is actually. I guess you'd call it an event. Uh, would you call it a like community movement, worldwide revolution? Oh. Um, and no, we're not talking about the reformation of the Pan Pacific Empire under our immortal god emperor, Goblin Juve. 
I am talking about Gumathon, held by a mate of ours, Hive Market Minis on Instagram. Now, this event actually will be taking place from the 4th through to the 10th of March 2024. And the whole idea is for us hobbyists to do something we all love. And that's just kitbash and convert. So Hive Market Minis is throwing this event together. And there are going to be prizes in five specific categories. There's going to be Best in Show, Best Xenos, Most Pathetic, which I'm really looking forward to. We have a chance. Yeah, we <laughs> have a chance. Uh, I, I'm, I'm thinking like... If, if I can somehow make, like, us in, like, mankinis that are made of leather, but also, like, with razor-sharp studs. I, def- I definitely don't have those 3D printed at home of the two of us just sitting on my shelf. I promise you. Yes, we definitely don't. <laughs> no, we don't, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we don't. No, we should. Anyway. We should. Anyone who wants to design those, Scumathon. We've also got most arms, which, come on, most arms, all the arms, and then wildest weapon. So That's cool, wildest weapon. Yeah, this, this is an opportunity for everyone to just make some insane minis. And the one thing that's been said here that I absolutely love, that actually gives you and me a chance here. The goal is quantity over quality. So this ain't a painting competition. Keep them grey. Keep them plastic. So I'm already in with a chance. Yes, here we go. All five prizes. Yes. Under the mandate. <laughs> Faith in Nath. Faith in Nath, people. So, yeah, this is the sort of thing we're talking about. Get on Instagram, check out Hive Market Minis, hashtag Scumathon. Like, this is something we are both really excited for, and we want the community to be excited as well. So, it's these sort of things that make Necromunda great, where you can create something to your heart's content and... This event is going to make it even more awesome. Yeah, no, 100%. It's an opportunity to just go crazy and have fun making miniatures. You don't have to worry about how it's going to work on the tabletop or any of that nonsense. Just go out there, embrace your Imperial Gothic and go for it. Create something completely 40K-ish, completely necromundant. Yeah. Also, someone, I want to see some Xenos. Let's see some crazy oh, yeah. Xenos. I want, I, I want like, um, I want cybernetic Urgle, or I want, I want so, someone do some Necromundan Drukari. Like, we know they've been there. What about some Necromundan Necrons? Just do up Lady Credo's army. Go for it. Just, Just make Alcerathus. <laughs> People have been really angry at us for saying that they're definitely, the Aranthans are definitely Necrons. Why? I've had, I, I don't know, apparently people are just like, no, no. They, lo- they love Cult of the Bolt. They love 
They love everything Nathan says. But as soon as Spamuel comes up with an idea, it's like, no, Spamuel, you're I, a dummy. I, no, I do think it was my idea. I'm not 100% sure now. You put this, sowed the seeds of doubt in me, but it's okay. I'll take this one on the chin, mate. Wait. Wait, was I it your so, idea? Because we're going into the correction soon. And, mate, I hope you got a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope oh, you got a touch no. Don't you... Don't you worry, buddy. I've got some corrections <laughs> for you. <laughs> just oh, one last thing about the community updates. Guys, just... <laughs> oh, yeah, we're talking about that. Not, not me ranting about you. One Continue. last thing. It will become a regular part of our show, so... Um... I hope you all look forward to it as we are looking forward to it as well. Anyway, let's go into yeah. you attempting to attack me. This first correction uh, actually came to me this morning while I was at work. Um, and naturally, I didn't respond until my appropriate and allocated lunch hour. I definitely wasn't sitting on a roof responding to Roy from Necromacho. <laughs> and this one comes to us from Roy from Necromacho. Uh, Necromacho Entertainment. Uh, do you, last episode, we uh, did part two of the fauna of Necromunda. Yes, it was, it was a very uh, well-received episode. Was, yes. Yeah, it was, it was like a couple of days ago. Um, we didn't do giant spiders. Remember how we did it in alphabetical order? Yes, but I thought we'd made it clear we're both arachnophobes. Yeah. So that was the main reason. No, no, no. no. You, you forgot to do, and I actually went back and re-listened to episode one of our right. former episode, and I said, if we missed anything, it was your fault because you didn't do your letters properly. I, I do... I do remember that. It was a while ago. I haven't listened to it recently. Yep. Thank you for ambushing me. However, there is just one little, I don't know, what would you call it? One little nuance here that you haven't quite addressed, Mr. I've come to attack Nathan on the podcast in front of everybody. Who wrote our episode for that one? Who put all the beasties in there? Who was like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm the number one. Who was that person, Spamuel? Your awkward pause is not going to help you. No, still not helping. And moving on to the <laughs> no, next no, no. point that Roy... Amigo, buddy, pal, Mr. I can't write an episode. Oh. Yep. Okay, so apparently due to a technical error uh, that was completely unavoidable and um, can't be blamed on any one person specifically, uh, and We've apparently, uh, possibly could be, uh, we have apparently skipped over giant spiders, uh, the gyrinx cat, and ecrotic slimes. I did tell you about all of these. I'm embarrassed for you. You... Yes, you did. You did. Um, I've gone back through our chat, and you've specifically mentioned uh, also the grapple hawks. Yep, we've missed giant spiders, grapple hawks, gyrinx cats, and acrotic slimes. Um, basically, an episode's worth of. Um, 
corner. I will say, though, we talked about the grapple hook. So we didn't talk about grapple hooks, but we did talk about the grapple hook in the Aranthian succession, the ruins of Yarnum. Yeah, but we, I think we, we even, I think we mentioned that we had talked about them in our Fauna episode, but we haven't actually ever talked no, about okay, them. Okay, so that's a collective correction for the podcast. We'll take that together. Well done. Oh, I was going to say that was definitely oh. my fault because I wrote the episode, but if you're willing, <laughs> if you're willing to- Do not to... my perfect record. Okay, no. Yeah, okay. You know what? Fine. This is on me. We will have to very subtly insert these four bits of fauna into upcoming episodes. I'm sure um, it would be very subtle, knowing us, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. So of the one, two, three, four corrections so far, it's one spaniel, zero names. Those, those numbers, yes. Do we have any others? Okay. For me? Number two actually also comes from Roy. This isn't technically a correction, but it's actually a absolutely fantastic piece of uh, sort of on-table rules that's possibly being represented in the law. Now, it was very subtle when I brought it up, but do you remember when I mentioned that the Caryatids had actually left Elmore's Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the subtleness of it Um, is what I particularly remember. It's it's an easily forgotten moment, I know. But I had mentioned that Elmore's characters, including Blinky, uh, hashtag Blinkygate, had left the Elmore family spire. And Roy actually pointed out something quite subtle, but also very good. Um, in game, if you lose reputation, a caryatid can leave your game. Yes. Uh, and what do you think has happened to Helmore after he's been shanked? Oh, he's lost reputation. Yeah. So the special rule is called abandonment. And should the gang reduce its reputation for any reason including shanking, roll a d6 and subtract the number of reputation lost from the result. If the total is one or less, the caryatid will abandon its companion, and a natural roll of six is always a success regardless of modifiers. Okay, I'm assuming he got stabbed a lot and then had the nobles yeah. turn on him. Uh, his daughter killed a bunch of their kids. Um, one of his sons got gun-fisted. <laughs> R.I.P. Angry Goat. That's four so far. I'm going to... You're going to roll a D6? I'm actually going to roll a D6. <laughs> Go on, let's prove Roy wrong. Roll that natural six. But you, you rolled a six! <laughs> I rolled a six! You're wrong, Roy. I want to be on your side here, buddy. But there's two reasons I'm not. One, you allowed him to mention caryatids somehow in this episode, and two, he rolled a natural six. No? Yeah, I'm just going to... You can't doctor it. Oh, okay, no, I, I rolled a two. You can't doctor it, so, he rolled a yeah. six. I saw it. <laughs> I saw it happen live. So we've got to work out another reason as to why the Caryatids yeah. left Lord Helmore. I cannot rant about Caryatids again. The number of people... that 
We'll get yes, off this. Get off this. But I think it was. I, I, think, think, it was I great. think it's great uh, logic. It was, and I think it's great that yeah. it's being represented in the law. However, you rolling as Lord Helmore proved you get that natural six. That is the first six <laughs> I've rolled in so long. Oh, <laughs> Lord. That's amazing. Well, the next one, um, unfortunately, this one's definitely a correction on Spamuel. And it comes from our mate Lachlan. Remember Lachlan who corrected me on the concept of grand cycles? Yes. And last weapons. Yes. Yes. I thought he was a dummy. Turns out I was the <laughs> dummy. Um, Turns out I actually know him. He's, he's actually a great dude. But no, no, he's my enemy right now. Um, Cyber Mastiffs. I mentioned that uh, with the, I believe it was the Book of Outlaws. I don't remember. I'd mentioned that oh. one of the books uh, was when the enforcers were able to take Cyber Mastiffs on multiple characters as opposed to just surveillance. Yeah. Uh, no, I was wrong. Uh, turns out those rules came out with Surveillan. Um, and they, well, they, they were simply reprinted later oh, on okay. yeah. um, in the Vaults of Temenos. So that was a subtle dig at Spamuel. And you know what? Hey, he's my nemesis. He's going to do that. No, fair but, play. It's a, it's a good correction. And to the broader audience, I will say, when he gets things wrong, please let us know. Please. Important <laughs> for me. You say that, but Nathan, yes, I've got you. <laughs> okay. I've, my boy Lachlan, you know, my former nemesis turned best friend, quick. has come in and given me an absolute slice of fried gold. Okay. When it comes to spam your corrections, I'm sorry. When it comes to Nathan corrections, those are rare things. Now, mate, this one, this one is Kentucky Fried. Well done. This ain't rare. So, in Vaults of Temenos, we were talking about the effects that the Crusade and the Pilgrimage would have on Necromunda, and whether you, I believe you said, do you believe would it would become like an ecclesiastical world, and I couldn't remember the name of the designation of ecclesiastical worlds. And Nathan, you called them temple worlds. They are not temple worlds, Nathan. Did I? You dummy. <laughs> they are shrine so worlds or cathedral worlds, not temple worlds. Nathan, so this, yes, Are you did. Are we sure? Uh, I, I will stake my reputation on Can this, sir. Can we stake something valuable, Lachlan, <laughs> I will stake your <laughs> reputation on this, sir. In fact, okay, you know what? This is incredibly weird. We're going to pause this episode. We are going to listen to the section here, and I'll prove to you that you said temple worlds all right so we are going to be moving on uh from your corrections and yeah if you have any further corrections 
Uh, please send those to us at underhivelawkeepers at gmail.com. This? This, this is the path I'm, you're choosing. I'm choosing to step for things were said. Yep. Someone has said Temple Worlds. Um, you screwed me again, Lachlan. <laughs> I, I will admit I agreed with you, but that's... Sometimes I feel a bit sorry for you, and I'm like, uh, he's getting it wrong. I'll just move along with him. That's okay. Yep. So it turns out it was me who said yep. Temple Worlds, and Lachlan has lulled me into a false sense of confidence. <sighs> Sir, you are my nemesis. Let's go back. One day I will That's destroy right. you. <laughs> See, yes, it was me. It was me who said Temple Worlds. Um, How very good. We threatened the audience. Great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners, I am not even kidding. I will have a warm place in my heart for the person that finds a Nathan correction and sends it through. I'm talking not just, this has been pointed out to me. I say dumb things and he just agrees with me. And everyone's like, oh, Nathan said the wrong thing. No, I said the wrong thing. I need someone to find something that he said wrong. All right. He's my co-host. He's one of my best mates. I absolutely love him, but I want to destroy him right now. I can hear right? you. And I need your help. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. Uh, I need your help, scummers. Help Uncle Spaniel. Help me help right. you. <laughs> Turn oh. the community against me. Were we not just talking about our community content section? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is not... Community content I want is... This is not it. This is not the community content. Um, Just one last thing about the correction. So what was the scoreboard? It's 4-0, Nathan. Was was I on four? Oh, wow. That's bad. Was I on four? So my memory goes sometimes. I am a bit older than you. So, yeah, I was on four, was I? Or was it you? I was on four. Oh, so that makes me on the zero. Ooh, oof, mate. It's not good for you, is it? I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <sighs> okay. Well, yes. Anyone who finds a Nathan correction, please send those through to us at underhivelawkeepers at gmail.com or through any of our social medias. It's usually me avoiding work. <laughs> I will admit, yes, it, it, uh, Samuel does do the uh, the lion's share of that. Speaking of our social media, uh, just a quick shout out to our new Patreons. We have Matt from Hive Market Minis. Thank you, Jason. Just Jason. It's just Jason. That's literally his legal name. It's like Cher or Madonna yeah. Yeah, or um, I don't know. Is Elon Musk his full name or just his first name? I don't know. No, I don't know. Elon Musk. Yeah, he doesn't support our Patreon, but yeah, sure. If you're out there, Mr. Musk, go for it. Knock yourself out. Uh, Jason, just with the power move of the singular name, and the mighty 108, which Mm. is an even more power move. It's like, I've got you. I'm just the 108. Come at me. His name's a number. Yeah, I know. Scary. (gasps) Admech player, for sure. Done. Got him. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> probably offended uh, you now. <laughs> he's like, I don't play no stupid ad, Mac. Yeah. Unfollow, unsubscribe. I hate you guys. <laughs> All the spamial corrections. <laughs> well, 
apart from uh, me declaring Lachlan my nemesis and demanding our audience take part in a hate crime against my co-host, if you do enjoy the show and you're interested in supporting us, please shoot over to patreon.com forward slash the Underhive Lawkeepers podcast. Scummers, we are 100% funded by the goodwill of our audience, and we do this for the love of our audience and Necromunda. So each month, we are obviously going to have exclusive Patreon-only episodes, as well as competitions, polls on episodes, and other bonus content. Obviously, you can also jump on to any of our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Liking and subscribing helps us to grow and to get our particular brand of Necromunda lore out into the world. All of those links are in our link tree in the show notes. And if it's not too much to ask, don't forget to give us a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform. Yeah, those five-star reviews really do help out. So We're on like 35 on Spotify now. 35? Yeah, I know. And there's there's other podcasts that are like 3,000 five-star reviews. I don't care. They're not Necromunda. So I love that. That's brilliant. (laughs) Again, the 29 I've done have just... I've obviously helped that number grow. It's fantastic. Yeah, honestly, I, I got to six and I was just like, man, this is a lot of email addresses. <laughs> well, Nath, now that we've gone over the fact that we have so many five-star reviews, let's talk about some places that would get no more than like a one, one-and-a-half-star review on your TripAdvisor account. Let's talk about some of the glorious hives and hive clusters of Necromunda. I almost forgot that's what we're here to do, to be honest. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That opening's been about four weeks long. Yeah, I know. We definitely took it down a garden path for sure. Um, But, yeah, let's get into it. Let's hook in, brother. So first one that we are going to bundle into, the old trip advisory board, is Hive Trazior, sometimes pronounced Trazior. Sometimes. It is just never it has never been pronounced Brazil. Actually, you know what? No. I didn't get on board Delacroix. And it's oh. bitten me. It has bitten me hard. I'm getting on board right now. Hive Trezio. Trezio. It makes sense. Read it out, people. Believe me. Believe Nathan. Nathan Nath. Nathan Nath. All right. Hive Trazior is also known as the Three Sisters in the local Necromundan dialect. It's so called because of its three huge spires, which can be seen from a great distance by any traveller coming across the wastes from the south. Trazior is located on the edge of the Great Equatorial Waste and is the southernmost frontier hive of the Great Palatine Cluster. Many important merchant clans are based in this hive, and is the main trading depot for convoys going to or arriving from the southern hive clusters. Drawn to the riches that can be found amongst them, the nomads who live out in the waste and raid the convoys are a constant source of annoyance to its inhabitants. The manufacturing base of Hive Trezior is dominated by the subclans of House Orlock, but House Goliath has a substantial and increasing presence in its furnace sectors. The Uphive Spires are infamous for the many so-called brat gangs, the relentless scions of nobility who take a cruel delight in engaging in gang warfare with the commoners of the Underhive. 
They're particularly well known for their brightly painted and incredibly rare jet bikes. They race through the thoroughfares and transit tubes, inflicting mischief and mayhem wherever they pass. Just a, a quick note about this read. I do like that they define it as mischief and mayhem, which it's probably It's, it's boys will be boys, mate. <laughs> Most certainly is not. It is, it is murder and cruelty and all manner of necromundan things that the, you've probably been influenced by the uh, the nobility who have told you to just oh, just call it a bit of mischief, just a bit of no good nicks getting up to no good stuff. If you didn't want to be killed by a brat gang on brightly painted jet bikes, you wouldn't have been going to work that day. That, do you know what? There is a, a resounding logic in that, but I don't want to hear it. Let me ask you something, though, before we venture too much further into the hive. We need to really quickly because I've... Oh, man, it's, it's bubbling out of me. Oh, I've got a gang idea, but I need you to continue. Oh, right. Okay, I thought you needed a break for something. Okay. No, no. I thought... <laughs> it's bubbling out of you. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. The jet bike on Necromunda. Yeah, buddy. Controversial or not? No, absolutely. Okay. I've seen this argument a lot when it comes to the jet bikes because I think it was the Dark Angels Codex from... Was it 6th edition when Samael was introduced on that beautiful yeah. big jet bike of his? 5th or 6th? And yeah. uh, it was reported that his particular bike, I believe, was one of the last examples of Imperial jet bike technology. Yep. Now, uh, since then, obviously, the Custodes, uh, or Custodes, if you want to pronounce it incorrectly, uh, <laughs> they... They have jet bikes and the like, uh, the Sisters of Silence, etc., etc. But in Hive Trezeal, you've got to remember, these brat gangs have access to, obviously, archaeotech technology or almost localised technologies. And in my mind, the concept of them having access to jet bikes, especially when we look at the, the difference from the time when this blurb for Trezeal sorry, I almost mispronounced it, was originally almost. written yeah, versus when the Escher Cutters came out. Those things are a jet bike in, by the very definition of a word. They are a jet engine with a chair strapped to it, and I don't actually think the handles do anything. It's just I'm holding on. It's yeah. like you watch a, when you watch like cowboys on those, those horses, they just try and buck them off, and they're just... They're lying back almost completely horizontal. Yeah, that's how yeah. I picture people on these jet bikes. But in answer to your question, no. Uh, if I think Hive Trezeal and Brat Gangs, I'm absolutely fine with them having jet bikes. Just quickly, is that the last part of your question? Uh, it is. I do have another question, though. Oh! Oh, too late, gang idea. So, <laughs> these brats on jet bikes, you know, yeah. is it the Dark Eldar Reavers on those yes. jet bikes there? Yeah. That's it. That's the whole gang idea. Just brats, like, this is, this is going to be your kit bash's dream. These are, we had a, an example of the brats in, I believe it was Ruins of Yardland, when, yeah. Yeah, when they attacked Hera. 
um, they were dressed up in sort of like the the obvious costume. Was it House Catalyst? Those House kids, Pat- yeah, 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 it was House Catalyst. Yeah, very pompous looking. Yeah, the way that, they were dressed up, lots of the, gaudy colours and so yeah, forth. Yeah, the carnival masks and the swords and that sort of stuff. These brat gangs, I picture them almost like, um, like dressed up in Victorian style clothing, lots of frills, lots of lace, but also like lots of jewellery, the women in the, the crazy hairstyles, the men even more so. And they're riding these jet bikes that... They've all tuned up to the nines and they're in these huge gaudy colours because what gets you noticed more than this amazingly rare and just this incredibly deadly piece of equipment that you're riding around at breakneck speeds and spearing groups of, you know, the nobodies that happen to uh, get in your way. Not just Sorry. the commoners. The commoners, yes. Yeah. So my my other question then, this is relating back to the jet bike. So you believe this nobility, the these brat gangs are on a actual type of jet bike then? Is that what you're implying? I believe it would be a localized type of jet bike. It but may more, not necessarily more be complex than what the Escher are using. Yes, absolutely. I think oh, right. the the Escher the cutters, in my mind, even despite their their description and the fact they have plasma guns on the sorry plasma cannons, wasn't it? Um, no, plasma guns. It is plasma gun. guns. Oh, thank God! Wait, um, this, this is one of those things where I don't agree with what you said, just for the audience out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I look at the Escher cutters as just pure speed, hit and hit and leave. Whereas I'm looking at the Hive gang, the, sorry, the Brat gangs of Trezeal as much more, what's much better maintained? They're they're racing down these thoroughfares and that, and transit tubes. They they need to make tight turns. They yeah. they remind me a lot more of um, maybe the speeder bikes from Star Wars, but yeah, with actual manoeuvrability, <laughs> not just oh look a tree pop. They were better than that. Honestly, stormtroopers were crap enough, but scout troopers like. They had a literally. If it was in front of you, you press the the kill button, and something should die. Um, yeah, no, yeah, that, that's my gang idea. That's my gang idea. We're going down a terrible oh. pathway discussing Star Wars, by the way. Yeah, yeah we're true. Opening um, ourselves up. So yes. I, I totally, I totally agree with your gang idea. I reckon it looks sick. What I would like, what you could do here, if you look at the Reva jet bike, and we will, I promise beloved audience, we will actually get back to talking about the hive in a second. <laughs> but, yeah, we've actually got a lot of stuff to talk about these hives, but unfortunately, uh, your boys are known to occasionally just forget that they're doing a podcast and talk <laughs> entirely about things between themselves. Yeah. Um, look at, yeah, okay, just okay, look so at the reasons. You look at the kit, you forget that top armor plate and you just build it based on the the seat and I guess the the under canopy of that top armor, and you can build just pretty much anything from there. You know, you make it up as much as you want. You keep the the spines and the blades off, or you even just trim them back so they just act more of aerofoils sort of thing. So it allows them yes. to maneuver. Yeah. Yes. So what I'm saying is, I love your idea. I think it's freaking awesome. But can you can you play that in Necromunda? Absolutely. Um, 
Where's the jet bike? Run them as Asia. Run them as Asia. Run them as Asia with cutters. Or you literally go them as, you could go as Van Saar with the skyboards. Of course. Yes. Okay. Yep. Sorry. I've, uh, I'm not allowing my brain to be imaginative enough. Yeah, righto. That's cool. Until I'm assuming the end of 2024 Brat Gang release from Games Workshop. Uh, this is oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. This is the second or third time that we have mentioned Brat Gangs. I'm assuming they've got models ready to go. I, you, you'd imagine so, like listening in intently for our ideas. No, no, you put it out in the universe. It's all about positive mindset. Positive <laughs> mindset. For example, pretty soon we're going to be doing a Van Sar episode. Positive mindset. Yeah, we can talk about the Van Sar jet bikes. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. That's make-believe like the episode. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you can call that Van Sar episode as make-believe as you want. But one of the great things about Hive Trezeal is there's actually a lot of Vansar there. So Hive Trezeal is sometimes looked down upon as a frontier hive by those from Hive Primus or the more affluent hives of the Palatine Cluster. Just pausing this here, Trezeal is literally like five minutes south of Hive Primus. If you look up that amazing, that uh, the Cartograph Primus map of the, I believe it was the Western Hemisphere, the Eastern Quadrant, yep. sorry. Eastern um, quadrant. And you look at the Palatine Cluster, Trezeal is literally right there to the south of Primus. And they're like, oh, those country hicks. Oh, <laughs> they're, they're in the middle of nowhere. Like they are the, not even a full hop when it's the hop, skip, and jump to Cinderac City. You, ha- you literally have to go past multiple hives to Trezeal to get to Cinderac, and everyone's yep. just like, Trezeal, what a bunch of bumpkins. Yeah, but we have that in Australia, right? And this is all yes. the, for all the brothers and sisters in Aubrey and Wodonga. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. It's so true. So you have the people, I think it's in the Albury side, who are just like, oh, yeah, no, we're from Albury. We're, we're fantastic. Oh, no, the, the Wodongan people, oh, no, 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 no. They aren't and, our people. And for people not from Australia, it's like five minutes across the road. Oh, it, it's, it's like you, they, you they literally cr- streets. Yeah, you cross yeah. the street and you've crossed states, therefore towns. Um, yeah. But these people like Wodonga, oh, mate, middle of nowhere. Absolute bumpkins. (laughs) But it's hilarious, yeah. This reputation as an outland city has made it a hub for clans like House Orlock and -and up-and-comers like House Goliath. The mighty House Fansar also maintains a presence in the southernmost hive of the cluster and uses it as a recruiting ground for the clan. Pause there. Just pause there for a second. I can see the read that you're reading from. <laughs> it doesn't say the mighty House Fansar. It just okay. says House Fansar. Be honest Fine. with the audience, Fine. please. I'll redo that. Supreme House Fansar also maintains a presence in the <laughs> well, southernmost hive of the cluster and uses it as a recruiting ground for the clan. The most promising candidates come from the hive's neotech gangs, archaeotech hunters, and techno gunslingers reminiscent of the tech gangs of old. These young miscreants fight often with the brat gangs of Hive Trezea, 
the antics of the two causing considerable disruption to the efforts of the more established clan holdings. House Orlock has especially tried to come down hard on the Brats and Neotechs, who plague the House of Iron's convoys and disrupt trade across the great equatorial wastes. So far, though, this has only led to more fighting in the lower levels of the hives, Brats and Neotechs brawling with each other around the hive's great ash gates. Often, an Archaeotech will make the track to the hive, looking for talented fighters, and House Orlock has made protests in the past about House Vansar supporting criminal elements in the hive. So far, they have been unable to prove any specific transgressions, despite offering a hefty bounty for the head of any Archaeotech found leading a Neotech gang. Mate, that's just because we are too sneaky. We put the mayonnaise boys to shame with our technologically advanced sneakiness. But before you come up with some silly little response to that, can we talk about, and you can pitch, pick which one we talk about, the Archeo Hunters or the Techno Gunslingers? Because I don't know if this has happened twice in a read before. But I've got gang, gang ideas. Gang idea? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> the techno gunslingers sounds the most sort of engaging, the most fun thing. Like I could just imagine them all venerating the idea of how quickly you can shoot, or you know how accurate you are at X amount of distance. Do you know when, like the old cowboy movies, when they throw a coin in the air and they're like, "Yes, that's what I see them doing here." But like tossing. I don't know, a little lizard or something up in the air and going, yeah, knock that out of the sky. I will say, though, from that little read that you've just gone through there, the Vansar actually sound really fun. Like, yeah, man. I'm, I'm being legitimate. Like, they actually sound like, because it's sort of that embracing that criminal aspect, not just ferreting around with, like, you know, an old Commodore 64 or something. <laughs> they're actually like they're actually engaging in something, but just a slight detract from going into this van. So I think what I really like about this is the concept that the house is the police force as well. So and the house Orlock basically just going like, "Don't you come here and promote crimes?" And the architect is like, I, "I I'm not here to promote <laughs> crimes. Are you here to promote one crime?" <laughs> and, he's, and I forget the audience can't see me. He's just nodding vigorously, going, No. <laughs> I'm not here for crimes. I'm here for I'm here singular for crime. Singular crime that is fast and ranging. <laughs> but no, that I, I love the idea that you have, and this is a gang idea for me, an Orlock style enforcer gang. You know, so they're. they're wow, you've like, gone, the, we've gone. The opposite of where I was expecting. Yes, I really want to hear this go. Yeah. So this is this is a gang that would in, not, not just envisage themselves as you know we're house or lock and we do you know we control the roads and all this blah 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 and we control the roads and all that kind of stuff. They would actually be a gang that's there to hunt down the brats, hunt down the the Vansar neotech gangs, hunt down the archaeotechs you know, keep the house Goliath under control. And so they'd be having manacles on them. You try and, without knowing too much about the war gear, you try and have war gear, which allows them to capture. Uh, They would have, you know, combat shotguns, 
they have all these things that you would associate with like almost like riot police sort of guys. And you could definitely have wreckers as like Oh a, man, yes. Like almost like your air wing of your police force, you know. So they're like these elite soldiers who they're the ones who bound after the jet bikes. Yeah, you know, it's like we know these brats are going to cause trouble. We know these Vansara zipping around their skyboards. Our counter to that is, you know, our wreckers, but they're, you know, they're styled up in a way that their equipment doesn't necessarily look purely functional, like the current wrecker model looks, but a little bit more sleek, like a, as as I say, like an air wing sort of thing. So this elite cadre within your gang, it might be I- only one or two members. I'm picturing them like the big goggles so they can see clearly. Yes. They've all got like rebreathers yeah. and maybe because um, they're, they're specifically chasing these bikes and that they've got uh, like lengths of chain. So as they come across it, they can throw it down to try and remove the rider. Uh, yes. You know, like it's, they, they're like, yeah, the, the bike will need to be destroyed and the rider will probably die. But... You should have been driving down my street, boy. Yeah, I did my job. My job yeah. was stop the jet bikes who are causing us grief. Absolutely. You started describing this gang. I saw them completely differently. Do you know the movie Tombstone? I'm talking old yeah, school cool. Western, Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, yeah. Sam Elliott. Brilliant. One of my most one of my favorite movies of all time. I picture the Orlocks basically like the Earp family from Tombstone, where you're going to do them in as, you know, criminals, these Orlock gangers, effectively turned into deputised lawmen. So combat shotguns, cyber mastiffs, your idea with the wreckers, absolutely. But these are going to be guys that are basically there, literally just enforcing house law on everyone around. Yeah, so they're a they're a gang, and they they would be probably a bit more individualized, a bit more esoteric in their in equipment and gear, because they're effectively a group of, you know, shady members, almost on the brink of being outlaws themselves. Yes. We've all been given a shiny badge from House Orlock that says, "You need to get our hive under control. This is this is our zone." Not even that. Like, I love where you're going with this. There, hey, listen. You, this is this is you've had two strikes against you. Either you know you weren't where we needed you to be, or a couple of members of your gang turned to chaos or whatever. Yada yada yada. Three strikes. You're sold to the slavers, mate. This yeah. is your last chance. You're going to Trezia. You're going to help enforce our oh, law, bro. And yes. so they're, they're desperate. They're desperate, and they're they're basically going. They're going. Okay, this is my last chance. I can't screw this up. Yeah. So when they're told these these gunslingers and these brats are disrupting our trade, they're killing our dread like our dredging class workers, you need to stop them. These guys are just like, get the shotguns. We know they're gonna be coming down this street, they do every t- day, the same time. Gun line, let's you take your watch out. to it. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> That's, that's how I'm picturing. Do you know what you of. said something there though? And again, we will get back to talking about the hive, like the bits, the bits and bobs about the hive. But the unlikely. Cool. unlikely, true. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving false hope. That's one of my main strengths. 
But um, the idea that House Orlock would go, all right, X, Y, and Z members, you have pierced me off to no end. You're going to trace your. You that's it's almost yeah. like punishment hive for all lockers, all lockers. I just made up a new term. All lockers. All lockers. Yeah, right. That it's like a punishment for them to be sent there, to, and then you're sent into. Where does it say? I think it's the under high, the lower levels. You're sent into the lower levels of the hive, and you're taking on neotech gangs. You're taking on brats. And your whole purpose, it, it, there's no real, like, focus on promotion or anything. It's do your time in Brazil mm. and then see see where you end up. You know what I mean? You might be brought back into the family clan or you might just, you know, disappear down there. Yeah. But this, this gives the Orlocks that sort of, like, real nasty edge to them as well. It's just like you, you've pushed our buttons too many times you're part of our house or our dregs or whatever, we're sending you somewhere where we just need bodies. Like, what it doesn't their, matter. What was their saying? My gang before my house, my house before the rest. This, yep. is, this is the house giving you that last chance because, yeah, you've, you've skirted the law one too many times where, you know, someone like Slate Medina could save you. They could, they could put the foot down or, you know, was it Hagen mm. or Locke? Could yeah. turn around and go, listen, hey, he's a good egg. Give him another chance. But unless you've reached those lofty heights, you're nothing here. Brazil is your last chance. And in my mind, I'm calling them the Tombstoners. <laughs> the, these Tombstoner gangs that help enforce the law. Tombstone gangs. I thought you were just going to call your gang the Tombstoners. I'm like, oh, yeah, really ticking the original box. But their classification is Tombstoners. Tombstoners because you either either survive here or you just end up buried. Yes. Like, that's that's how I'm looking at this. Like, you know, I'm having a moment of madness here, but you could, they almost get a badge like what the um, Death Watch, how the Death Watch get a shoulder pad. You know, oh. they get some sort of marking that shows that they survived Trazior. You know, it might even be just a sticker that's like, "I came, I saw, I survived." You know, sort of thing. I came, but, I saw, I killed a jet biker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But they get some sort of indication that says we took on the 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 militant gangs of the Vansar, and we took on yeah. brats with their increased technology and funding, and we survived. Yeah. And you, you I'm have, here, they're yeah. not. Yes, exactly. Oh, Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to no, say? No, that's, 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 that's it. Like, I'm seeing that when these people survive Frizio, and I'm sticking to this. I don't care who I'm annoying with it. Frizio. <laughs> when they game. survive, they come back, and the other gangers, especially House Orlock, but other gangs would know, just from what you've said there, they'll see that, you know, it'll be something recognisable but they'll see that badge or that bit of flair to the to whatever the gang is wearing and they'll look at it and be like, Oh, you uh you were a tombstoner. Okay. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're a you know, tombstoner. I I've got a, I've got a little bit more respect for you. Like you've you've seen some shit. All right. Yeah, man. yeah. Like you you don't you don't you don't need to earn my respect right now. You already have it from yeah. the background that you're from. 
But so going back to that, so you've talked about your side of the gunslingers, but my man, I want to go into the techno gunslingers now because already Hive Trezior, in fact, all the, the, the three sisters themselves, I actually had some interesting like lore stuff to talk about the Hive yeah, cluster yeah, as we well. Do. But, yeah. um, I'm going to make another Western reference. Do you remember the movie The Quick and the Dead? Uh, Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman. Yeah. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it was quick and then you were all dead. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But Thank you. it's about a, like a tournament where uh, the guy who was effectively taken over the town, uh, he's this, he's, he basically holds a gunslinging tournament where it's a fast draw, like one shot, you've got to kill your opponent and at the end of the day, the winner gets money. And um, Sharon Stone's character comes in and there's all these, these crazy characters and all taking part in the tournament. And uh, Russell Crowe plays, oh, I think he's like a um, preacher, um, sort of trying to give away the, the life of crime. But this is how I'm picturing these... Techno-gunslingers. The techno-gunslingers, where yeah. you'd be doing them in that have robes that all have ornate pistols, like that have fully customized last pistols and stub guns, like um, another Russell Crowe movie, uh, Escape from LA, where he has the Uzi with that huge scope. Like imagine like a like a stub gun, like this little holdout pistol with just this like rifle scope attached to the top of it. And these gunslingers that are all like customizing their equipment and, you know, some of them wear capes to distract their opponents so they can pull a separate gun. And yeah, I'm picturing them as like this mismatched collection of gunslingers and fast draws and like just basically more civilized techno barbarians whose entire purpose of life is being the fastest shot because then if, if you're if you're able to kill those tombstoners quick enough or the goliath quick enough one of the vansar is going to see you and see that you're worth more than this mercenary gunslinging life and they're going to yeah, take you into right. the house like you got to be the best to be taken into the best that's the whole mindset they're going to be yeah. having there I, I really love everything you've spoken about there and I, i'm totally on board with these gunslinging sort of pseudo admic things however we do have i think it's a first time event we have a live in moment uh spam your correction what what do you mean <laughs> wow this is this is wonderful i'm happy that you're not too certain about what i'm going to talk about either you just said the movie escape from la yes yeah man yeah and that was starring Russell Crowe? Russell? Oh, I'm pretty sure you said Russell Crowe. Oh, no. No, I obviously meant Kurt Russell. <laughs> it's too late, buddy. It's locked in. Uh, and... Okay. This needs to be sent out to the ether. No, editing it out later, just so I sound silly. It is, it's going to be really awkward when I'll be like, and another... Russell Crowe, 
movie. <laughs> or I get some, I get someone who clearly isn't me to say the words Russell Crowe and I yeah. just superimpose it. Like with a really heavy Kiwi accent or something. Yeah, that'd be funny. Yeah. What's the matter? One of my many family members. I'm just oh, no, I'm just saying you don't have a Kiwi accent. I just no, no I don't. No, I don't. Oh no, you don't. Anyway, um <laughs> moving on. Let me let me just rehash a little bit about what you were talking about, the gunslingers. I I sort of see them in the same light as you, but I'm more as like almost like trick shooters. You know? So Yeah. Um, they get together they almost come together because they share a a desire to be like, you know, the the best shot. So so you have a gang that comes together that's built around like gang members who have all got like fast shot or, you know, skills and abilities all related around that factor. But their guns are exactly what you're talking about. These ridiculous looking weapons, you know, extra scopes on them, cables hanging off where you don't need them all these little, like, adjusters and, and things that they can put onto them. So you'd put, like, range finders and all that kind of gear on them, and then you'd have them sort of, you know, tapped into, bio-linked into their bodies. Where oh, it's kind yes. Of got that vibe to them. But the whole premise is who can pull off, like, oh, what was the movie? Um, Zombieland, you know, zombie kill of the day. Yes, yes, yes. Like, trick shot kill of the day. That's what they would have. That's why I see them, sort of more flair and less about like, you know, beep bop, beep bop, this is the trajectory that I need to fire at, but it's more sort of, you know, the 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 the, the player who can do the trick shots in snooker and stuff like that. Yeah, that's why that's I, I But anyway, as promised, let's talk a little bit about Hive uh, Trace York. Well, interestingly enough, uh, do you remember the novel... Space Marine by Ian Watson. One of my personal favourites, yes. Oh, so there are actually three Imperial Fists, boo, in that novel who are recruited from Hive Trizial. So Lexandro de Arquibus, Yeremi Valence, and Biff Tundrish, all three of whom actually grew up in Trizial. Interestingly enough, uh, Hive Trezeal was actually spelt Hive Traslaw in the novel. Oh, right. yeah. I remember that. Um, yeah. And we know that the Necromundan PDF recruits directly from Trezeal, uh, but also these recruits secretly many of whom are actually screened to see if they are worthy aspirants for the Imperial Fists, boo. And obviously three of whom would be Lexandro, Yeremi, and Biff. Now, from those there, Lexandro was actually a member of a brat gang called the Lordly Phantasms, which, just glorious. That's a brilliant... They were described to be composed of bored, sadistic upper hive brats who got together to terrorise the lower levels of the hive, and they wore expensive silks and demonic masks as they bombed around on their jet trikes. So I'm picturing, like, 
a cutter where you've got the main engine up the guts of it, right? Yeah. Then two smaller, almost like, like pod? pod. Yes, pods. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! But I'm picturing them up the front like a pod racer. Yeah, yeah. That'd be cool. And they've just got like you know chains and whips and stuff, and then crappy little pistols and just stuff to terrorize the the local community. Exactly. So those three Imperial Fists, Boo, although they were all born in Hive Trizia, they each came from different backgrounds. So Valence was the son of technicians, and they actually he joined a tech gang, and it was composed mostly of his family members. And they sort of worked the upper levels of the hive, stopping those gangs coming from the undercity. And the and Tundrish as a Biff, uh, he was actually a member of a scum gang. Like it's and they were called the Spider Gobs. Which it's interesting we mentioned spiders here because uh you might not know this, but did you know there's actually a lot of spiders on Necromunda? In fact, the Necromundan giant spider are a type of mutant spider that can reach a great size in the underhive of cities such as Necromunda, reaching up to several feet across. Necromunda is particularly renowned for these giant spiders due to how common they are, so much so that the most famous Imperial Guard regiments recruited from the world is actually known as the spiders. They can be found in every part of the Underhive, from the clogged tunnels far below to the gantries of the highest domes above. Now, a lot of people actually hunt these spiders, especially in the sumps, where the largest and most ancient spiders, their eyes become almost diamond-like in not only the composition, but also the, their worth. The eyes of some giant spiders, including the giant albino spider, are said to be worth enough to buy the most humble spider hunter his own spire on Hive Primus. Just as a, a very obvious and natural segue there. Just Subtle thought it'd be good. As a cinder block through a window. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. That's one down, three to go. <laughs> this is Hive Life Part Two, Pseudo Fauna Part Three. Yeah. Yes. Part one point five. Yeah. Speaking of the giant, no, we're not going to go into the giant spider. I think we've said enough about it. I hope everybody uh, respects the effort we put in. Mm. Anyway, mm. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about um, Trazior as well. Yeah, I, I just think it's great that we actually have these these space marines that can track themselves to these gangs we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think it's I, I think oh, it's clearly, sick. clearly the tech gang is you know probably the precursor to what the Vansar would eventually become. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. when I say precursor, I'm talking about that at that stage there was no real established law for Necromunda. It was no, no. a planet. It definitely had gangs. But there wasn't exactly what we have in like the N95 stuff. Yes. But, so it it it's a very it's a very interesting uh, concept from a very old part of the law 
to say that they've deliberately drawn their gang members, drawn their space marines from these gang members, which sort of, I don't know, implies that uh, the Imperial Fist would take anybody. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole different issue. But what I did want to talk about is the, the fact, the amount of merchant clans that occupy yes. your as well. There are so many there, and it is because it is. I guess it is one of the uh, what. It's one of the highs that really opens up to the southernmost areas of Necromunda. So it's sort of like the the, the doorway into the Palatine cluster, and and it says that it, it it's located on the edge of the Great Equatorial Waste. So it is where, and it, it's where everybody would come almost as a, a first port of call, not necessarily, you know, if you don't need to go there, you wouldn't go there. So it makes sense that the Orlock would be, have such a great invest investment in this hive and yeah. that they want to be pushing it. But it also just means that the, the amount of money that is in Trazior as well is probably quite significantly more considering that it's considered sort of, I don't know, like the the southern less less likable cousins of the Palatine cluster, the country bumpkin hive, the, the country bumpkin hive. But they'd have so much money considering how many merchants are there and and the desires and and machinations of the merchants. Which makes sense as to why the Orlocks want to put so much effort into keeping their trade going because it wouldn't be too much before the the merchant guilds turned around and said, hey, enough. You've lost one too many of our shipments going out. You can't protect us from these brat gangs or these, um, you know, the, the Van Sar or anyone else. Why are we paying you for protection if you can't do what we need? Like, that's, it's, a bad, it's a bad place to be in if you're losing money in, in Trezeal. Yeah, exactly. And you can almost imagine, you know, somebody like House Goliath seeing that as an opportunity for them to grow and expand. And yeah. Say, we'll, we'll do it, even though they would probably do a terrible job against fast-moving jet bikes. But the, the hive itself, I think, has a lot of opportunity to explore because it's your traditional type of hive like Hive Primus, but there's clearly a lot more tech and a lot more wealth within this hive, yes. they are the country bumpkins. So you, when you're playing a gang or wanting to set up a campaign in these areas, you could have a lot more tech available to the gangs that are starting out there or on the black market. So, you know, maybe modify the, uh, the rarity roles that you're looking yeah. for, searching yeah. for something. Drop your rarity by, I don't know, two on everything. Like, you know, oh, you'd, you'd have choices as to what exactly how far you did that but yeah that's a great idea yeah so and then show the wealth by having you know you might have a game that the gang receives d6 times three credits and you go no, no no because of the amount of wealth within the merchant guilds that's lying within here they actually receive d6 plus one times three credits Perfect. you know that yeah. simple simple factor like that could be enough to make all the difference so when you when you're playing a campaign within here, you will obviously have the Orlocks as the the principal, and you could actually have them influencing the way 
that the campaign moves as well. Not necessarily the Orlock gangs. I can imagine if you're playing a campaign and you've got Orlock players playing, that would be elements of House Orlock that are coming into Trazor to almost sort of stamp their authority in a way. Uh, like, as you say, the gang, then the house, you know? Yeah, but it specifically mentions that they are sub-clans of House Orlock, you know, like whether they be, um, you know, families like the Medinas or whatever. But these could literally be smaller, drudging families who owe their loyalty to House Orlock, but who aren't necessarily Orlock themselves. They are, they're simply Orlock-aligned. So you don't have to go that minor-slash-biker motif. You could do them up as, I don't know, maybe an all-female sect of Orlocks. Or um, maybe maybe noble Orlocks oh, from right. Trezeal. So they look a little bit finer. Um, you know, their, their gear's a little bit more polished. But they're not Orlocks. They're, I don't know, I was about to say Gorlocks, but that just oh. sounds like a cool corn Orlock gang. Um, <laughs> well, what about um, Lockors? The Lockors. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. They're, they're Scottish Orlocks. The Lockors. <laughs> the Lockors. Um, clan Lockor. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love I it. Think, I think there's a lot to explore with um, Trazior. I think. There's so much money in the hive. There's so much opportunity, and the brat gangs. I mean, we we almost oh, really didn't touch on it enough, but the brat gangs are amazing within there, and just the, the concept for what you want to do with them. You, you can you can go completely bonkers in terms of that, you know, imperial gothic style, where you're looking purely at at the noble houses. You're not trying to keep that dark gothic style, but that over-the-top, um, as we were mentioning earlier, like gaudy style. But you, you do it in a way that shows that they're still fighters as well. That's, I think that's the key thing. They still have to look dangerous. Man, yeah. I'm, I, I just keep looking at those Reaver jet bikes. You obviously de-Eldar them a little bit, really gaudy up the... Um, the pilots, and I'm just imagining them with huge, like, throwing spears. Picture like um, that that uh, that Kurt Russell movie, Gladiator. Um, see, I did that one on purpose. That's not oh, a correction. No, I know. He, he um, did actually interrupt the podcast to go double check it, and then that way he could say I did that deliberately. That's right. <laughs> uh, but you know the scene where the charioteers—they're in the golden armor and the ones there the barbarians they're fighting sorry the barbarians the prisoners uh they're fighting uh are in just their plain uniforms and their numbers get whittled down but the the charioteers were very ornate very overdone use some of the um is it the harlequin bikes where you could actually sit someone on the back of them um because i know like the dark eldar venoms what was the um the Eldar one. Oh, that is uh, the Viper. Jet the bike. Viper jet bike. Uh, yeah. All the Shroud Runners yeah. do those things that make them a little bit more brutal looking and have someone on the back with, I don't know, like, yeah, a throwing spear or, 
you know, just oh man, yeah, you could really do I'm some cool stuff with that. One of the sky weavers here. The sky yeah. weavers. That's it. Perfect. And he's got the the bolus. Yes, that's the kind of weapon I could use. I could see the brats using, not because it'd be very combat effective, but it'd be just god awful and annoying. Like I can't imagine that they're too concerned about killing the commoners, but just causing absolute chaos just for a laugh. Like it's their version of knocking over the letterboxes, you know, going and harassing the populace by like smashing into them and you know basically just ruining their good days. Not so instead of knocking over a letterbox, they're knocking over your family. Yes, and... exactly. <laughs> but yes, those sky, those sky weavers are perfect for what I'm envisioning. Yeah, you, you drop the uh, Eldar weaponry, and yeah, man, that is perfection. Yeah, the bolus is great. Those long stabbing spears are perfect. Yeah, yeah. done. Sky weavers plus like uh, Empire State troops. Equals yes. brat gangs. Yeah, done. Lock done. it in, Eddie. Yeah, done, Ski. We done with uh, Trezia? I feel like we are. I feel like we've explored all of it. Do you want to take us into the next beautiful hive? Oh, another place <laughs> I really don't want to go on holiday. <laughs> I think this one's pronounced uh, Temeninos. Temenos? Temeninos. 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 No, we've already <laughs> mentioned this one a lot. Uh I can't remember what episode of it. Uh, was it the um, the safes of Temenos? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we're talking about the Temenos. Now, this is another hive in the Palatine Cluster. One of its spires forms the headquarters of the Ecclesiarchy on Necromunda, while another spire forms the Temple of the Emperor Deified. Colleges, libraries and chapels occupy parts of the other spires. A priory of the Adeptus Sororitas is also located in one of the outer spires, and this spire is often called the Sisters' Tower as a consequence. The population of Hive Temenos are amongst the most pious and devout followers of the Imperial cult. Many of the resident clan houses manufacture ritual items for the Ecclesiarchy, while others work in the Scriptorum translating the wisdom of the priesthood into the many dialects of Necromunda. Hive Temenos is a major power base for House Cordor, whose subservient gangs scour the lower levels for heretics cast out from above and make constant war upon any rival whose vision of faith differs even slightly from their own. Temenos is an architectural wonder. Its interior is a warren of knaves, chapels and crypts, vaulted ceilings and pillared halls. The diffused light is stained by refraction through crystal. Incense and the sound of chanting drift across the chambers. Here and there, statues and holograms of the emperor reside in secluded shrines, and from its sanctioned halls, confessors and missionaries are dispatched across Necromunda and to frontier worlds in nearby systems. We have already mentioned Hive Temenos, obviously during our Aranthian Succession series, but there is actually still a lot to talk about regarding Hive Temenos and just the concept of, and 
I'm I'm genuinely pissed off they didn't show up during the Oranthian succession. I would have loved to see some Adeptus Sororitas coming out and just stomp face during yeah. the succession. But whose face? They everyone's. Everyone's face. Everyone's. <laughs> are you are you an doctor? angry lady in power armor? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm clearly a man. Pop, pop, pop. Are you an angry lady in power armor? <laughs> yes, I am. You are clearly also a man. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> so 57 questions later, still nobody has got it right. Even one of their neovites. Yeah. <laughs> Including one sister of battle who's just like, yes, you literally told me to stand here. No, I didn't. Pop, pop, pop. pop. <laughs> <laughs> just getting get embracing her inner yeah. uh corn demon. Yeah. She just embracing her family tradition of joining the cult of the bolt. The cult of the bolt, baby. That's where the cult of the bolt would start in Terminos. One hundred I think the Cordor gang the, this is my own headcanon for your gang. Um the Cordor gang that found that bolt pistol in the skull, guaranteed they came from Terminos. Yeah, 100%. They probably went on some sort of pilgrimage or expedition into the skull to, to make the difference, to sort of go, we, we're going to be the gang that brings the skull back into the light of the emperor. Yes. But all they found oh. was a really nice bolt pistol. Uh, I just I think we need to mention that a lot has changed for Temenos as well. In What do in you mean? <laughs> what, what change? Oh, well, just a few little things. A couple of the vaults are empty. Not the, not the vault full of demon animals. No, no, not that one. Oh, thank the God Emperor. The vault that is full of Necrons. That's right, I said it. <laughs> people, okay, people still very angry at me for some reason <laughs> over that. I did listen to it. It was your idea. Uh, people somehow... Still angry at me, but continue. Yeah. I'm not bitter. <laughs> so it is, there, there's, there's a lot that has changed in Temnos, and not only from the, the controlling elements of it, but also from the nature of what the city has become as well. So it has almost changed its mindset to become a city that is focused, or not a city, sorry, a hive that is focused around the the concepts and ideas that are being spurted from the prophet you know yeah. so, and and for anybody who wants to know about the prophet we're not going to go into it now if you haven't already listened to the our vaults of Temenos episode listen to that and all the entire Aranthian succession series and that'll give you all the background for what we're talking about but <clears throat> it does lead to the idea of you know the, the next time we see a, a little write-up about Temnos or the Temnos, what exactly that's going to entail, whether or not it is still the, you know, the, it is, it's still the ritual city, which it will be. It'll be the ritual hive, but whether or not it's actually, you know, still run by Cordor, because in, in a way it is and in a way it isn't. Well, just on what you said about, you know, the future writings about the Temenos and possibly what it's going to say. Um, I actually have a sneaking suspicion it's going to mention the fact that the entire hive 
has somehow fallen under control of the demonically possessed Ash Clan, the Moor below, uh, that has somehow consumed everything inside the hive. Because as we know, that one unlucky demon who manages to possess said Ash Clan is basically stuck there forever. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's, it's just a bad day for, you know, poor Dracobus Nian, the uh, demon of corn, who's just like, ah, finally, I'm in the real world. Uh, nope, nope, I possession Ash Clan. And uh, yeah, I live here now. So <laughs> sucks to be you, bro. This Ash Clams in the Temenos. Is that yes, what he I was in. He was in that vault full of the demon creatures. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah. I'm, I'm with it. I, I'm totally, I'm totally down with it. <laughs> it, yeah. it makes a great deal of sense. And it's, he gets so angry that Ash Clam just starts rocking, and everyone's like, "I'm not going near that. Don't be stupid." Yeah, it's actually, it's, it, it becomes almost like a showpiece in a circus. Look at this. This Ash Clam <laughs> thinks it's a person. <laughs> Look, we, we, we feed it rat skins and it gets really angry. <laughs> Not the gangers, the rat skins, but actual rat skins. Yeah, rat skins, skinned rats. Yeah. No, the skin of the rat. Skinned rats, yes. Oh, skinned rats. I thought you said rat skins. I did. Right. This is the same thing we had with the problem with the carrier pigeon mishearing each other but anyway wait no don't anyway nope, not doing it. <laughs> so i i have this idea of the temenos which it won't make a lot of sense and i that's i'm going to preface my statement with that won't make a lot of sense but i love the idea of it so you know cultures yes yes and I prepare to cop Nathan corrections on this one because my memory's a little bit hazy on it. But Colchis was the home planet of the word bearers. Yes. So on Colchis, religion was not considered a terrible thing, obviously. It was everything. It was everything. But all religions were accepted, all types of belief. And I can almost see the Tamanos as being like that, like you would have the principal religion, which is the imperial creed, the imperial cult. But there would be, there would be almost like a desire or some sort of concept about trying to understand the other religions that are out there. And that would lead down to some obviously dark paths. So, you know, obviously you lead to the, 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 the dark gods and so forth. Yeah. But, once you're becoming so engrossed and so devout to your own religion and you study it so fervently, surely you would also begin to look and try to understand the things that wouldn't understand your truth or your, your focus, you know, and why, why don't they believe which is my truth, which is the actual truth? Well, that's, that's eventually, surprisingly enough, what happened on cultures, obviously with the rise of Lorga as... Um, you know, as the all Primarchs did, he became to, came to lead his planet. But uh, I believe it was was it the Schism Wars uh, that that Lorgar led his supporters against, and they were fighting the was it the Covenant was the name of the priesthood they fought against because uh, very sketchy on that. I love the word bearers. 
but I, I, I'm very sketchy on whether or not they fought the Covenant. I think it was. But um, don't be on that. No, 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 no. They used to be the Covenant. They used to be the Covenant, and then the Covenant split in two. Half of them sided with Lorgar, and then the other sided with the, you know, the not Lorgar. And yeah. that's when the Civil War took part, and then... Uh, at the end of it, it was the, the Emperor shows up right after Lorgar takes control and is basically just like, hello, everyone. And it was uh, Magnus was there. Magnus and the Emperor showed up. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, all of this, which we're obviously going to go into at our Word Bearers episode <laughs> of our uh, 30K Law podcast. Yeah. Um, Definitely. You know, th- yeah. 10,000 years ago, Law Keepers. With I don't know. I guess we would would we be atoms, atoms, Nathaniel, and actually just mm, and because uh, we're not full grown yet. But uh, oh, yeah. sorry, just yes, speaking past or something there. Continue, like continue. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think the study of religion within the Temenos would become something that wouldn't be frowned upon. You know, it's almost like try to understand our enemy, and that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's where you can start to really mess around with the concept of the the gang idea. So it's it, the obvious path is the Chaos Gods, but I could even imagine that a prophet or a religious leader or a scholar is being, is investigating the concept of how the Tao Empire works and going, what is this greater good? But because of his way of thinking, forms it into the format of religious thought. Okay, yeah. so I'm I'm gonna pause you there. I'm happy to talk about hungering gods from across reality. I'm happy to talk about space insects who consume everything in their path. I'm even happy to talk about democracy. I will not speak of the Tao on this podcast. Uh, oh, no. They know what they did. Uh, and anyone who knows anything about the Tao knows what they did to those fallen heroes, the Pocktroon. And you know what? No, continue, continue. I will sit here and cry in silence. Okay. The Tao are the bad guys of 40k. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying they're good guys. No, I, I think they're actually one of the more evil races, to be honest. Because... Oh, no, continue then. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, they're, they're in, they're, they're, their evil is insidious and their evil is underhanded, whereas, you know, the, a, a cornate worshipping army rocks up and goes, we're going to kill you all. And you go, okay, well, you know, you've laid, laid out your hand. Thank you very much. But the tower's like, oh, come on board, jump on board with us. But now we're going to select who we need and who we don't need and who's usable and who's not usable. And to me, that's even worse. But anyway. Worse than democracy. Yes, very much worse. So, But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm Using the greater good as an example, the, the, the Tao ethos, it, you would have religious scholars who would study it in the same way that they would study religion, right? And so they would apply their, their way and their concepts of thinking to that, and they would crowbar the greater good, the the ethos of the crowbar, oh sorry, the ethos of the greater good into into their method of thinking, 
and therefore they would be able to create some sort of religious ideology attached yes. to that. And then, then they begin to teach it to a small, select little cadre of their own. And they begin to go, okay, well, this is what we believe in. Only the you like, and I could see something like the greater good being manipulated and mutated into something that turns into we, we use this as a way to work out who is usable and who is good for us to continue as you know whatever whatever house they call themselves or whatever gang designation they give themselves, and they begin to go into other territories and claiming. We want you on board with us. And once they're on board, we say, you know, as a syndicate, as a group, we can do more and we can do this. And, you know, we're the emperor even more. Then they get in there and they're like, well, we don't like that particular preacher and we don't like that particular gang member. So we begin to annihilate them. So I guess where all this stems from is my idea that I see Temnos as not necessarily the great glowing beacon of the imperial cult, but more of a place that you can explore the ideas of worship and the ideas of thought and religion. It's almost, oh, for me, it's more dangerous than Gothrill's Needle, the democracy of Gothrill's Needle, because you would have people there who would be studying texts and scripture for so long that they would begin to ask the questions. You know, it's... It, Sorry, I'm going to go on another little tangent. No, I like this. Yeah. I really like, like the AdMec as well. The AdMec as well do the same thing. They begin to explore their technology and they begin to question it. They don't try and smash it necessarily into the idea of what the the imperial truth is regarding technology. Obviously, they do do it at times, but they also are hunting for new technology. They're hunting for a new way to understand, and that's what I can see. Temenos being, you know. Yeah. I, I know I know it's a very, very um fine thread I'm pulling at here. But for some reason I just see that as like this little melting pot within there. And you could have it, even if it's just a gang of ten or twenty, they would be trying to learn and understand something different than what the Imperial cult would be. Or is. Well, we mentioned before that Confessors and missionaries are dispatched across Necromunda and the frontier worlds and nearby systems. Now, we know that those missionaries, preachers, the, those who spread the imperial cult for the ecclesiarchy, they go to a lot of these planets and they look into the local... Uh, the local religions and worship and that, and they find ways to connect your faith to the faith of him on earth. Where they say, well, hold on, you, you pray to the sun, right? The, the beautiful orb in the skies. You know that's the emperor, yeah? And the, whoa, yeah, what, right. what, do you, yeah. what do you mean? So, the, you know, this particular missionary, he's been studying all these writings on your planet of Nathos 4 and <laughs> they look up, you know, they're like, we've, we've explored this and we know that the main religion worships the sun as this being of power and light. He brings warmth. He allows you to hunt and you go, okay, well, that's okay. I can do this. I can work this into it. So then you missionary 
Jimmy goes to Nathos for. Yep. I genu- once again, genuinely forgot other names. Um, <laughs> and you go to Nathos 4 and you go, hey, everyone, and I'm going to tell you that your religion's actually the religion we worship, and it's what's that, and the sun that you worship is our emperor, and he gives you the light so you can hunt and you can look after your family, but you can also protect... You can protect your people against your enemies, right? And they're like, oh, absolutely, of course you can. Well, that's what the Emperor wants you to do. So instead of calling it, you know, Sky Orb, how about we call it the Emperor? And uh, you know what? I, we, can talk, we can do that. And all of a sudden, you've taken them one step closer. And it's yeah. because he lived in Temenos and he studied those texts on the religions yeah. of Nathos Four, and he's been able to, through his training and teachings, learn how to do these things. Yeah. He's been able to learn all of that. I really like that. That yeah. is... That's... That's got a couple of scary gang ideas to it, though. It, it absolutely does. But... And this is... Where you're, your mindset's the same place as mine. That Temenos is not necessarily a place of blind worship, but a place of research and study as well. You know... It, it, we, the, fa- the fact is that the Imperium is technology and religion and the, the two don't always mix, but when they do, you end up having some weird misaligned crossover, but both, yeah. require, both require study, both require knowledge to become better. And this, is, this it all makes, make, almost makes sense as to why Aussie would be there. You know, why would they entomb something like that? Why would they have that there? Why do they have demons, crazed demons, locked up in the vaults of Temnos? Why is all this there? Because they want to understand it. I truly believe it's not only because of the understanding, but because we know the ecclesiarchy obviously works with the Inquisition and uh, within the the imperial cults, they have everything from... um, you know, exorcists and experts in demons uh, were either being their summon, their banishment, etc. I think not only were they perhaps looking at studying, but maybe looking at, because we know Ozzy had that connection to the warp, yep. perhaps they believed it was something evil from within the warp that they were needed to try and banish or just keep it back. Because remember, a lot of the stuff was in stasis fields. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, and yeah, to keep it outside of regular time. Yeah, exactly. And this is where I could see Temnos being a major port of call for auto-hereticus inquisitors, you know. So they're coming there and they use it as a recruiting ground. They use it as a place to study. They use it as a place to pick the, pick the brains of those who've been studying for generations and generations. Yeah. And going, okay, we need this knowledge. We need to get this understanding. And then also, even Audio Malleus would become there if they're holding on to any sort of knowledge or demons or whatever. So you have, you have actually this, this place on Necromunda that turns into a hive of activity based around yeah. the enemies of the emperor, you know, 
and 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 it makes sense. You you have your religious nutters. Your religious nutters are the ones who are going to find every which angle in which to destroy the enemies of the emperor. But consequently, that means sometimes dipping your toes a little bit too deep into some waters that are going to turn you against that pathway, even against your own ideology, even against your own thinking. You're accidentally going down this pathway that you don't understand. Also. Yeah. I'd love to see a Imperial Fist Chaplain from Temenos, boo. Boo. Oh. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think that'd be rad. Um, mm. But we actually do have a very cool pair of uh, house-specific gangs from Temenos. We've got one, obviously, from House Cordor, but we have one from your gals of House Escher there as well. So what one do you want? I think I know what you want. I'm going to be talking about House Escher for sure. <laughs> why, why would you even ask? <laughs> all right, let me just jump into it here. Faith is the currency of Hive Temnos, and all who live within its walls must pay their due. House Cordor holds sway over much of the populace with its religious rhetoric and influence over the local ministerium, but is far from the only player in this, the Hive City's affair. Cloistered within the lower reaches of the Hive City, far from its usual position close to the spire, are the Escher of the Penitent Blade. Clad in white robes, the icon of the Aquila emblazoned upon their cloaks. They preach the imperial creed filtered through the lens of the House of Blades. In the depths of the Underhive, they often clash with the other clans, Cordor especially, whose rabid preachers view House Esh's brand of imperial religion as an affront to the doom the redemption preaches. However, when a true heretic or monster crawls in from the waste, the clans unite to oppose them their faith in the Emperor unifying them in a way unknown in other Hive cities. It has even been reported that some of the Escher have had their faith rewarded by visitations from the sisters of the Adeptus Sorotas, whose priory sits high atop Temenos. Sometimes these sisters even recruit Escher to their ranks, though not often, as the sisters of battle tend to find the Escher too undisciplined for life of the pious service to the God Emperor. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Oh, Do buddy. You, mate, clad in white robes, the icon, the Aquila, emblazoned across their cloaks. That's, that is absolutely cool. The contrast that you would create with these, you know, the quite dark and rusty coloured bases. So, pausing you there. Yes. Do you remember in the Vaults of Temenos episode, uh, the Brides of Minerva? Remember yes. those Escher that just lost their minds yeah. and just the white robes and they were just straight up killing anyone. What was it? Murdering anyone who doesn't bow down before the God Emperor's majesty. Remember yeah. how I said that Sororitas kill team, the uh, novitiates were perfect yeah. for them? Cancel that. <laughs> it's perfect for these gals. The penitent blade. Oh, please continue. 
Yeah, the, just the idea of them all in robed, white robes with, like, you do quite dirty, rust-coloured bases. You do these white robes with lots of white and gold everywhere. White and gold, as much as, and a burnished gold as well. And then the weapons, I wouldn't necessarily make them too pristine, but quite almost grubby looking. But then on top of yeah. that, you add the Escher flair by keeping the hair wild. You colour them up in all these different ways. I reckon they would look absolutely bonkers. I want to say their hair will still be wild. Like, you'll have yeah. the wild hairdos. But you know how, for some reason, all Adeptus Sororitas uh, have white hair? Yes. Oh, no, they don't. Not all of them, mm. but most of them. Yes. Um, I want to see some white-haired Escher, but then they've got, like, colourful tips. So, like, the tips of their hair are still fluoro pink or, like goblin green or it's still just a little bit crazy but they're like or it's half and half white one side green down the other where they're like i'm they're they're purifying themselves as members of the penitent blade but at the same time they're like i also really love the emperor yeah like they're saying that you know we we are devotees to the cause but we are also part of House Escher. Yes. You know, we, we, we'll dip the tips of our hair or whatever the case might be, but their concept is absolutely cool. I love the idea that some of them become Adeptus Sororitas. Oh, and, man, that's a whole nother rant. I'm ready. Oh, I, I see that, and I, this is my gang idea for that. I see it as a returned Adeptus Sororitas who sees the failings of the Sororitas. He goes, yes. Their, their devotion is 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 proper and it's fueled with hate and anger, but it doesn't drive the populace. You know, it is a function of war. I see myself as somebody who's come up from the ground level, and I need to return to that. So, like a a, a soldier who's gone AWOL, but returning to spread the word and the fervor that the sisters of battle have but within the ground levels of House Temenos and within the, 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 the gang, you know, within the Penitent Blade, within the Brides of Minerva. So you would have a return Sororitas who becomes a Enesha gang leader, but not for the concept of power, not for the concept of spreading their particular brand of faith in the Emperor, but to try and spread the fervour and the energy that the Sisters of Battle have throughout the gangs. I love it. I love everything about it, except the fact it's dumb and you're a dummy. No, you're not a dummy. You're not dumb. I don't want her to be a disgraced sororitas. I want, her, I want her to have been told by the leaders of her priory. Now, remove your armour go as a supplicant of the Adeptus Sororitas and form a gang of sisters that you can elevate from underhive scum to, you know, future sisters of the Adeptus Sororitas. Literally go out there and find a loyal group of emperor-fearing women that we can use as a recruitment pool 
for our forces. That's how I see them, like her going back in and basically saying, all right, gals, here's an idea. We get to kill everyone and love the emperor and kill everyone. Who's in? And there's just a bunch of Escher like, um, yes. Yes, because you might not know this, but we lost a bunch of sisters to House Goliath. Like a whole mess of them. And then a bunch <laughs> of them joined up with that crazy chick, Credo. Um, yeah. Also, did you know they're serving a giant robot man? I don't think that's the Emperor. And this Sorotus is just like, yeah. get the flamer. Yeah. <laughs> the heavy flamer. Yeah. That's how I picture it. I love that. The flamer. Can, the heavy flamer. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> because you can then um use some of those absolutely fantastic oh, what are they called? The Repentia. The Repentia oh, yes. with the giant eviscerators. Yeah. Oh, oh they're, man. They're, they're, don't even worry about having them equipped a close combat weapon. The the base body is, is perfect. Perfect. Yes. You don't and even you can... have to have a chain weapon. Give it. Give it a. Give the girl, those girls clubs, or that. Also, the repentia also work amazing for Cordor, and I'll go into that later. But you talked about them when it comes to Escher. Yeah. No. You just. I used little bits and bobs from my Escher gang from them. You do not need to do anything with them. It is a head swap a weapon swap, a, you know, remove an arm here or there. That is about it. That's all you need to do. The torsos and the legs work perfectly fine. And you have them, use them as a base model to just put some extra robes on them. Or don't. Don't even put the robes on them. Just have them equipped as they are. Paint them yeah. up nice and white. Splatter them with a bit of blood. And probably, probably do take them as a close combat gang, I think. They would look, because they've got so many dynamic poses on them. If you wanted to go crazy, you get a bunch of Repentia and just run them as um, Corpse Grinder Cultists. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> true, true. Uh, I will say, though, that one little thing we, we sort of really didn't touch on straight away was the fact that the faith in the Emperor unifies all those who are in Temenos against out out outbound attackers or, you know, yeah. nomads or whatever the case might be. So that they kind of drop their own nonsense so that they can become unified and take on anything. It makes it makes Terminos an incredibly powerful and strong hive against an alien or outward attacker. But it also makes it incredibly vulnerable as well. Because if the faith is and we see it in in the Ranthian succession, if the faith is twisted in the wrong way, then they they sort of move as one giant mass rather than, you know, any sort of differential thought or any sort of individual thought. And that makes them a little bit scary. I genuinely don't know what you mean there. Um can I introduce you to a little concept I like to call the Horus Heresy and how just a slight manipulation of faith and wording led to, I don't know, the entire galaxy being split in half or, um, I don't know, a good buddy of mine, Goj Van Dyer. <laughs> but no, you, you are absolutely right. Just 
you know, you change a word here, mm. change a word there, bend the uh, the inflection of a couple of words. All of a sudden, you're in charge of a million strong army of pilgrims and you are attempting to kill everyone with the letter E in their name. Yeah. Uh, wait. Exactly. That's me. Oh, wait. Um, first names or surnames or both? Spamiel. No, there's definitely an E in Spamiel. There, there is one in Manvent, though. No, you've, I'll, I'll, yeah. be, I'll let them know your address. You're gone. See you, mate. It's been nice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, no like, that's, it. that's exactly it. Like, with just a little bit of manipulation, it's the, the religion within the 41st millennium is ridiculous in that respect. And but that shows with, you the strength of, tra- uh, of Temnos within yes, Necromunda. Yes. When motivated and pushed in the right direction, and, you, and we see it in the Aranthian succession, it does exactly that. Now, if this is harps back to what I was saying earlier, if you can begin to change the mindset that, you know, Cain is the god we worship now, you know, not the emperor, or the Cain is, is a manifestation of the emperor, and an avatar of Cain is a, the, the ultimate soldier underneath the, the light of the emperor. You begin to develop and change millions of minds, if possible, and you have this incredibly powerful religious nutter of an army. Yeah. And, and it, would, it would never throw, overthrow Necromunda, 100%, it never would, but it would cause enough disruption that it would shine enough of a light on Necromunda. Steve just sat up in bed knowing something was wrong with the universe and he didn't know why. And it's because <laughs> we're talking about Elder. Yeah, I didn't want to do it either, but... Um, <laughs> It's, it's sort of, I was trying to think of some other faiths that you could follow. There's no Tyranid faith to follow, so I was just sort of exploring those ideas. But there is the other gang within uh, Temenos that we should probably mention as well. There's just the, the small players, aren't they? Who are they? Personally, I think they are in comparison to our new concept of the Adeptus Sororitas gangs. Um, it, you know... The, the divine sisterhood, as you may I, have them. I still love it, the idea that they're recruitment gangs. I love your spin on what I was talking about. It's so it, cool. In my mind, yeah, but it's, it literally says, they're like, we like to recruit Esher every now and then, you know, they're, they're tough gals, but mm. they're a bit extreme. So why don't we pull the, imper- like, you know, the classic imperial big brain move and manipulate them into living their lives the way we want them to? It just makes so much sense to me. Yeah, you start um, them off in the beginning sort of thing, yeah. Exactly. Get them when they're little sisters, and as they're growing and ageing and getting better and getting deadlier, all of a sudden you're giving one a tap on the shoulder and going, listen, I have a mission for you, mm. and you're going to come with me. We're going to go meet with some allies of ours, you know, the ones that have been slipping us equipment, slipping us creds, slipping us armour, and all of a sudden that champion goes and meets the, the sisters of the Adeptus Sororitas and is told, you've been chosen to prove how supreme House Escher is by becoming a sister of battle. And this champion would be like, oh my god, it's, I get to serve the Emperor not only on Necromunda but across the galaxy in war? Oh, 
why wouldn't I do it? And that's, you know, you've, you've fed one up the line. You've fed yeah, one up the line. Yeah. Like, and they would see it as a valuable, uh, as valuable commitment of time and resources. Yes, because you've brainwashed them since they were kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's, not like, it's not like we're creating child soldiers at all. <laughs> no, that's the, my, my theory is, you know, you start the brainwashing early. It's always a great idea. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to what we were going to talk about, Old House Cordor. House Cordor. Now, it is no surprise that the centre of the ecclesiarchy on Necromunda is also a gathering point for House Cordor. Hive Temenos is a towering cathedral hive, teeming with the faithful and garrisoned at its pinnacle by a covenant of the Order of the Bloody Rose of the Adeptus Sororitas. Where Hive Primus is a slab-sided termite mound in form, Hive Temenos is a triumph of ecclesiastical architecture. Every chamber is a groin-vaulted cloister. Every alcove is a host to a stone-graven saint, and every light well is wrought as a multicoloured stained-glassed window. Though it is rare for a member of House Cordor to be permitted to ascend to the spire and pass through the saint's way into the grand cathedral of the Emperor Deified, they nonetheless guard the pilgrim's path from Hive Bottom up to the Great Spire. Of course, even Hive Temenos has its underhive, where gangs affiliated with the other clan houses battle with those of the dominant House Cordor. Every step of the way, Cordor gangers are there to press pilgrim coins into travellers' palms, offer them food and shelter, or defend them from thieves and other less pious hivers. That about half of these pilgrims survive to reach the cathedral is not seen as a failure by the clan house, but rather a measure of their piety. After all, the god emperor does not allow all to gaze upon his magnificence, so it falls to the corridor to make sure only the most worthy get the chance. So this read here really just shows me that even in a hive where House Cordor are the supreme and sort of dominant gang. They're still a pack of dickheads because all they really manage to do is be like, oh, here's a fancy coin, have some food, hang out under my hovel. Oh, you know, some people are going to try and rob you in that. But half the people that are relying on them to help get from wherever they're going to, you know, to, to actually get there to the Grand Cathedral of the Emperor Deified, not that many people actually get in there. Half of them die, and Cordor's just like, well, that half probably didn't deserve it anyway. None of you clowns deserve it either, you stupid, pious morons. Um, this, is, this is why the prophet was so successful, because yeah. he already had a cluster <laughs> of people who were just waiting for somebody who was just a little bit more pious, a little bit more driven, and actually focused upon their the devotion to the emperor and not just somebody's go ah well you know two out of two out of three ain't bad or you know 50 50s all right it's, yeah it's not even thing. it's not even two out of three it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's half yeah, it's half, half. Yeah. it's a, sorry, go, about half about half yeah. yeah so sometimes it's none but they just go well the emperor <laughs> didn't want those ones how do you know that well i shot him a lot and stole yeah. all of his stuff and the emperor didn't protect him how can i help that it's a divine power That's- 
That's actually the perfect business idea. You go to where these people are coming from and be like, hey, you want to get to the Grand Cathedral of the Emperor Deified? Me and my brethren here, we're going to escort you there. You get, you know, about halfway. You then just kill everyone, take their stuff. When you get back to where you started and someone's like, oh, what, what happened to those pilgrims? Oh, man, they loved Temenos so much. They've dedicated themselves to the ecclesiarchy in the Ministorum. They don't want to come back. That's how beautiful Temenos is. And all of a sudden someone's like, oh, I'd like to go see the Grand Cathedral of the Emperor Day. Can you take me? Of course I can. Make sure you bring that shiny pair of boots of yours too. <laughs> it is dangerous and we do it need is. to pay a lot of people to get there. So bring as much coin as you can yeah. gather yeah. to make sure we get through because there's only so much money we have. We've donated most of it to the Emperor's cause. Exactly. And you, you're going to want to make an offering to the church, aren't you? To, I am <laughs> going to want to make an offering to... Thank you for that. And in the back of his money, he's like, you stupid dummy. Yeah, you, you, dummy. you rich, stupid you dummy. You rich, non-pious dummy. If the yeah. emperor wanted to protect you, he wouldn't let me kill and rob you. Yeah, he wouldn't let me speak to you. Mm. If the emperor was on your side, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> but from this, do you remember, once again, in Vaults of Temenos, um, when all those pilgrims were actually getting to Hive Trezea, the Merchants Guild, where they were all like, oh, we're, um, we're bullet preachers. You should buy this fancy little uh, fetish that I've made. Or, you know, if you wear this belt, it protects you from uh, fire and lightning. You should definitely buy it. And they're basically just robbing these pilgrims. They were lying to them. Yeah, it turns yeah. out they learned it from everyone in Temenos. And it's just <laughs> like, huh. I could just lie to people and tell them that the God Emperor himself made this until, like, one of those Adeptus Sororitas comes down and is like, are you saying that the Emperor wiped sweat from his brow on this rag? <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, I am. Mm. Uh, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> pop, pop. And then they, they take the rag. They're like, we're pretty sure the Emperor wiped sweat off with this. This needs to go into a vault. They put it in the vault next to the... You know, the demon animals, but just across the, the hallway from the giant robot Necron chaos yeah, overlord. Yeah, exactly. I could yeah. just see them going there trying to, like, clear the streets of all these peddlers and just having that little seed of doubt in their head that maybe, maybe this actually is a sliver of the Emperor's armour. Okay, <laughs> let's, not, let's not throw it out. Let's not destroy it. Let's bring it back. And they just have this vault full of just... Hordor trash that has just been gathered. <laughs> <laughs> and this poor group of servitors and neovites who are just sitting there processing, going through, trying to find documents about the, the legitimacy of this tiny little scrap of metal or this rag or this, you know, uh, stamp. Yeah, the emperor, when the emperor stomped out a, an orc, and they actually went and made a seal from the stamp of his mm. foot from the indent of the or on the orc skull. This is this is the exact same one made from that indent. They're like, okay. This this, this glorious <laughs> example is actually one of the bolt shells fired from the Emperor's own holy bolt pistol. In fact, the maker's mark is still 
faintly written on the side of it. It says, Chocha Cole. Yes. And it's just like a 38,000 year old can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, mm. and it's just, you walk into this, you know, this corridor, um, like museum of relics. And it just happens to be someone who knows what Coca Cola is and walks in and they're just like, what the hell, dude? <laughs> the sister's <laughs> coming for you. Yeah. You, you. You're pushing that bottle of Pepsi Max slowly into your bag, <laughs> hoping no one notices. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the, the Cola Wars still exist in the Warhammer yep. 40,000. <laughs> 100%. 100%. It's actually what caused the Dark Age technology. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a lesser known piece of law, but it is law. Yeah, all right, cool. I'm, I'm sure Games Workshop will ratify all, everything we just stated then. If I um, yell about it enough, the internet will accept it. That's, that's true. As, as, as we know from deliquation, mm-hmm. it has been accepted. <laughs> I will say, though, the whole idea of these, I, I don't know what you would call them, swindlers, traffickers almost, corridor, it it, it, yeah. it leads to a gang idea. And the thing is, it's it's a gang idea where you don't actually have to do very much to the gang. Like, you just run them as regular cordial because they would still be pious and they'd still be, I guess, you know, devoted. But they're all, they have a certain amount of devotion to money as well. Yeah. So you, I guess you would just try to bling them up just a little bit more and have a few more fetishes and things hanging yeah. off them, little icons, clear stuff that clearly stolen, you know, and then try and run them as that. I, I almost imagine, like, trying to get the gang leader to not look like a fanatic but more of, a, like, a really shoddy salesman, somebody who yes. <laughs> just yes. like a real slimeball, sleazy type of person who could easily convince the wrong group of machine workers that, you know, there is a better life for you in Temenos. All you've got to do is follow me. So but I, 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 can't, I can't see the model, but I can envisage the idea. I can envisage one of them now. So with like the cult icon where there yeah. is, you know me, I'm a sucker for a standard. But <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing one of these like uh, oh, what would I call them? Like this merchant corridor that you're talking about has this huge like pole and hanging from it, almost like a almost like a cross, like a big crossbar going across it. Oh. There's relics hanging from it, and there'll be like um, a skull and like a lantern and stuff like that. And you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then one of them's just a boot, <laughs> and it's like, why why do you have a boot there? It's oh that's that's the holy sandal of Brother Sebastian. You're like, why is it? It's not a sandal, it's a boot. It's like, yes, but his name was Sebastian and the boot of Sebastian doesn't make sense. They're like, (laughs) okay, but why is it holy? It's like, he walked through a minefield and although he died, his body was vaporized by a plasma mine. This boot survived. Everyone's just like, mm, praise the emperor, praise yes, the it, emperor. It's, it's amazing. Holy protection on it. Yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll get you out of any scenario. And then what I envisage from this, as you're saying, like if they've got these display of icons, is everything would have a price tag on it. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so 
I, I don't know how you would do it, but every item would have a price to it. It's like, yes, these are our most holy relics. However, if you would like to purchase one, we are yes. open to the idea yes. of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just see them as the most shonkiest of Cordor gangs. It is completely, like, completely gone away from the idea that a pilgrimage is something great and all they see it as is their mm. method of making money. Yeah. Yeah, but in their mind, the purpose of pilgrimage is to find new relics to then take back to Temenos to sell to the dummies. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And so they're just, they're constantly gathering everything and they've just got, every gang member would be a salesman, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. Every Almost gang member in my mind has the, um, do you remember The Labyrinth with David Bowie? Oh, yes, of course. Brilliant I've been movie. talking so, about so many movies. Um, also had a minor role uh, for Russell Crowe in there. He was one of the, <laughs> those little goblin dudes. I'm just Yeah, he was one. He was doing the excavating, like digging down, wasn't he? Yes, yes, he was. Yeah, that's why it was a minor role. Yes, because it's a minor. You dig holes? Is that like a? Is that like a an industry joke there? No, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but you remember when that woman who lived in the trash who had all the stuff up on her back and she was yeah. like able to reach yes. back? That's how I picture these corridor. Every single one of them would have this. Um, I'm just going to say, like, um, shop front banner pole hanging from their back and on these like leather thongs you'd have different relics that would be constantly swaying in that and yeah yeah yeah, i i I think that would be cool and i see the jews as like victorian era street urchins who just like get around do a little bit of extra pickpocketing they're just they're real just like scrappers you know and they know they would know it's not a real corridor gang. They would just be like, yeah, but these guys, like, live the most lavish life. They have the most coin. I'm going yeah. to join their corridor gang as opposed to an actual corridor gang, you know? So Because the, these corridors, they're, they're pious, yeah. but they just they believe just a little bit more about, you know, what was, what was the name of the um, that saint of coin? I, I think it, I'm sure it's, it's Gelt. Of course, it's yes, gone. yes. So they, they, these would literally be like a crusader gang of Cordor, but they're loyal to the to Gelt. If you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. Like he's their patron saint, so they're like, we can defend the house and defend the hive and praise the emperor. We can make some money at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like the, their their theory would be the golden throne doesn't get golden without coin. You know. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It, they, they, their mindset would be like, well, to be the most pious, to be the most dedicated to the emperor, we need the resources and the finances to do it the best. It's one thing to pray on the streets. It's another thing to create shrines and icons to the emperor. Exactly. Oh, I love this. I think they'd be a fun game. Just, just the the, the modelling opportunities. I I wouldn't even couldn't even tell you where to start in terms of weaponry and so forth but i think as a gang there would be a lot a lot of fun just individual models to make up but i do want to get onto something else that you mentioned in your read the architecture of temnos and yeah. the fact that if you were to make a table for this or if you were to create even just a small board section 
you would have to go very sort of imperial gothic ruins type well you wouldn't even want them in ruins because it's not in ruins you'd have to go all the imperial gothic type terrain um, yeah massive imperial eagles and they, they stated where you know you've got the slab sided blocks and habs and all that of high primus temnos is different it is a, 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 sh a giant shrine on the planet and it's reflected in its architecture you know it's not just big plain walls everything is done with care and detail of a devoted mass where they're you know you see the old cathedrals and so forth in europe where it might have taken decades to to carve something that's what i imagine these tables would look like if you ever wanted to have a battle in temnos yeah. but the other idea i have generated from from this is obviously you've got the necromunded marketplace yes and yes we're, we're familiar with that and a, a shop you could have would be a uh, peddler for ruins and uh, iconography and fetishes. Oh. The amount of fun you could have coming up with all these tiny little things that you put on display, you know, maybe it might be just the, the, the firing pistol grip from a bolter. And you can clearly see it's from a bolter, but that's all that remains. But it's cl classified as, you know, something that is revered because it came from a, a sister of battle or it could be the hood from a sister repentia who came down hive to repent. You know, something along those lines without no, knowing too much about the sister repentia. Mm. But all these little icons you could put into your shop that would just make it so much fun. Each one would tell a story, you know. It'd just be cool. Or even like, and uh, what is it, the fleur-de-lis that the Sisters of Battle have. You have that manufactured or some way, like even take a green green stuff mould of it and create a more battered version. Yeah. And it's down from the Sisters of the, the Bloody Rose. And all these little icons, I, th I think you would just, it would be a blast. Like, you know, I think we've mentioned it before, talking about like a, a cook shop where you would have all the different meats and and sort of other things that they would be eating on Necromunda on display, and you, each one has a tiny little story to it. But this was obviously in a more religious sense. Like you could build a bunch of little shrines or little um, little prayer points. Hell, just build yes. like a pole that sits in the middle of your marketplace, and it has skulls nailed to it and like offerings at the bottom. Yeah. Or do you remember the old... Uh, the Imperial Bastion terrain kit Games Workshop used to do. Yep. There were these little panels and that, that had almost this, like, relief of the Emperor and he had this little shield and that. You could find some of those and just put them into your terrain and mm. be like, yeah, this is, this is uh, part of the Underhive of Hive Temnos and, you know, someone at some point has erected this little shrine here to either the Emperor or their gang or a chosen saint or whatever and yeah it'd be a really cool it'd be a really cool little way to sort of theme everything yeah 100 percent. when you say that about people like pilgrims and so forth leaving things behind have you ever seen those bridges where people come and put their locks on there and they're like yes oh it's, it's me and jerry and we love each other so much put that lock on there that's us forever sort of thing I could see, like, bullet... There is bullet no Jerry, there is only the Emperor. 
Okay, me and the Emperor click on there. Yes, big, big E and me forever. Big E plus me. (laughs) (laughs) Like bullet casings that they like write. Oh, yes. And so you could just, it would be such an easy thing to do. You just get yourself a, a very thin bit of plastic hard rod or something very thin like that, chop it up, and you just have this pile of bullet casings that is left behind. And not like like not a ragged pile, but like people would put them onto shelving or, or some way yeah, yeah. secured. And it, it's how they leave their, you know, their offering saying, I was here, me and Timmy were here and we put our little casing down and it shows our dedication to get this far into Temnos, you know? I love it. I love it. Like just a little it'd be nothing. It'd be something you know, maybe your your people playing on your board would look at once, but then you'd look at it and just be like, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I, would, I know what that's about. Yes, exactly. 100%. I, I think it would be a really fun board to play on where you have the diversity and the difference of the Ash Wastes from a regular game of Necromunda. Hemnos allows you to do that within the confines of a hive as well and not relying on being out in the boonies. But the way they describe it, where, um, you know, it says here, Primus is a slab-sided termite mound in form. Hive Temenos is a triumph of ecclesiastical architecture. Every chamber is a groin-vaulted cloister. Every alcove is host to a stone-graven saint, and every light well is wrought as a multicoloured stained-glassed window. There are not enough stained-glass windows in Necromunda. That's yes. awesome. Do you? This is just a, a trip down memory lane for me now. Do you remember many, many moons ago? I'm. You're about to talk about the that terrain the terrain booth, yeah, which had the stained glass oh. window. I remember I worked in the store at the time, and when it came out, it was like limited. If you got your hands on it, well done. And I remember we had one in the store that we'd pull out for every like games night and so forth and play play with it. And people would just be like drawn to it straight away because it was so different. And it, it was just something so small as having colored glass or colored plastic on the terrain piece. But it, it just drew people's attention. They loved it. And everybody wanted to to put their sniper in that terrain or put their squad hovering around it. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you something really... that will make you angry. I think it was 2019 and I was working the secondhand Sunday stall at Ark. Yep. Um, for those who don't know, Arcanicon, probably the, I think it's like the biggest 40K tournament in the Southern Hemisphere or something insane yeah. like that. It's massive. Every year, it's fantastic. And I was helping out at Secondhand Sunday and someone had put that terrain piece down and was selling it for $50. You serious? I turned, looked at it and went... Whose is this? And this guy went, me. And I went to grab it because I was like, done. Here's the cash. And someone looked down at it, picked it up, handed the guy the $50, smiled at me and walked away. Oh, oh my God. I don't, I don't know its value, but it, its value in the sense of what it was and how it looks is... I'm not going to say priceless, but certainly up it's there. Beautiful. It's it is beautiful. 
it's such a nice piece of training. Now imagine a board where you've got bits of stained glass happen. And and I think, you know, a lot of the the miniature technology has moved forward in the sense that creating stained glass, I don't think would be an impossible task these days. But I'm sure the technology has moved along far enough that you'd be able to create some sort of stained glass type effect and putting that into these imperial gothic windows and these archways and so forth and having that on a necromunda board oh, yeah yeah little bullet holes in the windows it's a, it's a modeling dream project that will probably never get fulfilled by the likes of me but if or me. Any... <laughs> 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 you, yeah let's yeah. be honest or me I do agree that, uh, yeah. Anyway, people know what we're like. We know what we're like. But it, if there is anybody out there who's doing stained glass on their Necromunda boards, just send us a photo. I'd love to see it. I reckon it'd be so cool. We've talked a lot about uh, Terminos there. We've talked a lot about Terminos. I think it was about 12 hours worth of episode ago. Um, yeah. yeah. I would love to do... I want to do some... Terminos style terrain. I, you know what? I actually will give stained glass a try. It won't be good, but I'll try. And that's the corridor way. Exactly. You know? That's all the emperor asks. Less than half of my terrain gets painted, so I'm basically running on that Terminos standard of success. Yeah, that that's a success. <laughs> I I put together half my stuff and I painted half of that. Perfect. Done. Almost half. Less than half. Less than less than half still counts. Still absolutely counts. Um, well, yeah, that's we, another great hive life episode. Yeah, it, I, I, I enjoyed talking about those two hives. So we've still got a few more to explore, though. And I, I thought maybe we might have got to another one in this episode, but uh, you know, the derail train was uh, in full flight, and we managed to take ourselves down some pretty nice pathways with both Trazior or Trazior or Traz. Trazia. It's actually Trizia. pronounced Trezia, yeah. Trezia, that's right, and and the uh, the mighty Temnos. So, out of those two, which one do you reckon would be your well? Which one is your favourite hive? Oh, Trezia, hands down. Like, honestly, I went too wild west with it in my mind, but also I didn't go wild west enough with it. Like, I genuinely see it as, you know, really lean into the fact that. Everyone in Primus thinks you're, like, backwards country bumpkins. Yeah, right. And these gunslingers, like we were talking about them before, what you said, they want to be the best quick draw. They want to be the, you know, deadliest Dillinger, that sort of thing. Hmm. Really lean into that and, yeah, make some, make some just Wild West gunslinger outlaws fighting back against those tombstoners. Like... Yeah. yeah, and then your idea for the tombstone is, oh, I'm in, I'm in. I'm also now picturing, um, uh, like Goliaths in those little bowler cowboy hats. Oh righto. Oh man, or just yeah. those giant, those giant, like what is it, like twelve gallon hats? Those giant <laughs> Texan cowboy hats. Mm. I'm all about it. I mean, awesome. And there's some crocs are just like giant stags. Instead. Just giant stags. But you know how Goliath have the mohawks. Mm. When they take off their giant 12-gallon hats, they're like spurs for your boots instead of the <laughs> mohawks. Ah, <laughs> oh, 
the boot, like their footwear, all having spurs on for no other reason than just crowbarring yeah. in some, uh, some, you know, American Wild West theme into it. Just go, yeah, yeah. they have spurs in their boots. One hundred percent. That is cool. Uh, I, I was going to say, te- no, was I going? Yes, Temnos for me is is the place to be. As as I mentioned in other pods. Religious nutters in 40k tick all the boxes for me, and to explore the corridor just a little bit more in that as well, and the Sisters of Battle, and you know even the yeah. the Bonkers Asia, it's uh it's definitely a place I think I I don't want to say I want to be there, but it's definitely a place that I think could deal with a lot more exploring in terms of the architecture, in terms of the gangs that are there, and just in terms of like. The, the structure and the hierarchy that exists within there. And I think we'll probably end up doing a lot of that in our corridor episode when it comes, which will definitely be before the uh, Vansar episode. A positive mindset, I'm putting it out in the universe, all right? Vansar <laughs> episode next. Vansar oh, episode yeah. next. Yeah, definitely. I'll just uh, I'll just click the old uh, release button on that one. Sure, buddy. But... um. No, I definitely, I definitely enjoyed our chat about those two hives. I, I still will say though that uh, Gothel's Needle is still the king for me at the moment out of the four that we've done. <laughs> I, I do like the democracy. So those spider, yeah, out of, those spider servitors—they still scare the crap yeah. out of me. <laughs> so out of the four that we talked about over the two episodes, which one do you think is still your like? I don't know your premiere. Oh, honestly, man, definitely now Trezia. Yeah, right. It's definitely Trezia. I, I love this. It's and it's because of what you came up with, where those Orlocks are there to enforce the law, and then yeah. the, just the way our conversation went with it, and it yeah. it's created this, yeah, that Wild West frontier town. Yeah, you know, there's there's one train in a day type mindset. Mm. That's that's what's done it for me. That's the that's three, what's yeah. made me love it. Yeah, the three ten to Cinderac. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm gonna keep quoting movies. <laughs> yes, yes. And that that had Kurt once again Russell. that had Kurt Russell in it. Yeah. yeah. Or was it that comedian Russell Peters? Oh, I um, think it was actually him. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was Russell Peters. Um, <laughs> that way, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love Trezia. You love Gothel's Needle. Hey, maybe next episode we'll both have a new favourite hive. I hope so. I hope so. I'm actually, I really enjoy doing these episodes. I hope everybody enjoys listening to our Hive Life episodes. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to get into the next one when we get the opportunity. Well, mate, anything else you wanted to say before we close off the episode with a quote? No, I'm, I'm pretty well talked out. Uh, I, I feel we've covered off a lot of good stuff, though. Nice. Well, like I said, we're gonna, once again, we're closing this episode out with a quote. And this one comes to us from the Necromunda Core Rulebook 2023. And the quote is as follows. Caryatids aren't what they seem. Popular Hive Primus Graffiti. What the hell was that? And that was our latest episode of the Underhive Lawkeepers podcast. I am Spaniel, and on behalf of the Lawkeeper team, thank you for listening. 
Please follow us on our social media pages available in the show notes. And don't forget to follow and review us on your preferred podcast platform. As always, if you have questions, complaints, corrections, or if you are interested in just under half a chance of getting to Temenos, please reach out to us at underhivelawkeepers at gmail.com. Thanks.